Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Seven minutes, and 
know, we definitely are going to have to stand shoulder to shoulder. This very well may be uh, Trump may very well be the last president who will stand up for United States sovereignty. Uh, and we will definitely be talking about that as well as, you know, globalism, the COVID pandemic, as well as comparing. Uh, now, our guest uh, thinks that maybe we could do a combination of all of this, but we'll see how that's even possible with the new Green Deal with a new space economy. Uh, but they're also talking about a fourth uh, industrial revolution. So uh, we'll hear more about that. But we only got about 10 minutes for our guest to slide it to come on. So I did want to play this audio uh, before he does so that we can, you know, this be a car, you know, start of the conversation. And so they're not saying this is a conversation with Carlson, uh, Tucker Carlson, Brett Hume, uh, about the discuss the future of elections. And I'd say <laughs> – uh, the future of the United States and having a president that stands up for U.S. sovereignty. So I think this is a great segue uh, until tonight's uh, main topic. So here we go. It's actually only a two-minute conversation, not even five. So let's go ahead and uh, play that audio for you. Fair to say no Republican could ever win a national election, at least for the foreseeable, foreseeable future. No, I think that's a re- Actually, let me give a um, a little uh, starting for that. Is what they're talking about at first is if Biden gets elected, he's planning on giving amnesty to probably about 22 million illegal immigrants if he becomes president. Uh, so I want to add that in before uh, moving on with the audio. Fair to say, no Republican could ever win a national election, at least for the foreseeable future. I think that's a reasonable assumption in the foreseeable future, and it wouldn't take you know it wouldn't take 22 million. So I'd say the number were half that, 11 yeah. million new voters, the overwhelming overwhelming majority of whom would vote for the Democrat, uh, would keep the Democrats in power in the White House for sure for several election cycles at least, and it would also uh, mean that around the country that many races that might be close or toss ups or even go Republican would not. So I think that's uh, that's a fair assumption of the, what the consequences of that would be. I might say, uh, Tucker, that while the pre- uh, while Biden in his uh, remarks today on the economy uh, threw a few things in the direction of, of Trump voters, he talked about you know how yeah. much money the government was going to spend to revive and direct the economy. Uh, this agenda that you've laid out here um, is not the agenda of a man who is trying to reach out beyond his own party for support. This is a man who is simply trying to solidify support within his own party, believing that that's all he needs. And he might be right about that. But this has taken the Democratic Party farther to the left than it's ever been, as even Bernie Sanders was saying today about this uh, compromise agenda that's been reached with him and and you know, AOC and Rashida Tlaib and others. So that is where we are. This This is a man who simply thinks that the nomination is all he needs that he's basically guaranteed the election. He might be right. If Democrats retake the White House and the Senate, and that could absolutely happen, and if they abolish the filibuster, and that could happen too, would there be any way to stop giving citizenship to 22 million or whatever the actual number is of foreign nationals living here illegally? Not that I can see, um, and there were other things that would be hard to stop. If they wanted to give statehood to the District of Columbia, there are arguments made by some scholars that say, no, no, you need a constitutional amendment to do that. 
Um, but Congress does have the power to add states. Now, whether that runs into constitutional prohibitions is a matter for, for judges to decide, but it's something that I think would be attempted, and that, of course, would add two more seats in the Senate, who, which would be guaranteed to be Democratic in perpetuity. So that would be one more restraint on their agenda that would break down if they if if they got control of, the, of both houses of Congress. It would be quite. This would be the liberals' wish list put into action. You can guarantee it. And with that wish list being put, made to put in action, that is the end of America. It really is. Uh, and then, of course, the end of a U.S. president, at least for quite some time for before they have a, a president that's actually going to fight for U.S. sovereignty, because we know Joe Biden or whoever's going to take his place when he steps down uh, in a year were he to be elected, uh, you know, it would be them. And, and look at the people. They've already mentioned – we mentioned the, these people, you know, the squad on who's really going to be and whose agenda is really going to be put in force if Biden were to win. And then they, they said it's something I thought was a scary thought. You know, Biden thinking that, well, he only needs the nomination to basically be shored up for the election. And even Britain Hume saying, yeah, that could possibly happen. Now, I'm hoping they're kind of saying that, want to spur people into action, say, look, we need to get out and vote. We need to get – this is a fight we're in. And, and it's not just a fight for the, the president's you know, Trump, it's a fight for America. It truly is. And I've never felt that as much as I felt it now, ever. I mean, even when Trump ran the first time, and I think the reason why I'm, I'm more concerned now, I mean, one, I was concerned, my biggest concern about Hillary Clinton being elected is I just couldn't fathom the idea of someone as corrupt as, as Hillary Clinton is actually being rewarded, her corruption actually being rewarded with the president of the president of the United States. The one thing the Obama administration has shown us, has shown America, at least for the the people who listen to more than, and even for those who do listen to what I call the alphabet news, right? CNN, MSNBC, CBS, all of those channels, is that they have really shown who they really are, I think more than they ever have, ever have before. And I think they're utilizing everything. I mean, you know, such as, for example, you know, now they're talking about they don't want kids to go back to school. And why is that? Why don't they want kids going back to school, even though kids aren't that affected by COVID? Well, of course, someone's got to stay home. Well, if someone doesn't stay home with the kids and they got to work, well, then what's the next thing? What's the next thing? Well, if people are staying home from work, well, then they're not going to have their health care. So this proves one of the things that they've been fighting for a long time is the need for universal health care. So COVID, they're going to try to use COVID to try to get their universal health care because people aren't working, but they need health care. Then also, well, let's say, it, you know, well, if that don't work, well, if people are to go back to work, who's going to be watching their young children? Well, then they want to also remember they want to have universal daycare for people, you know, where, you know, people pay for you know, people, uh, people's children, for them to be able to go to work. And so, so it's, it's all about their agenda. And, I, again, I think the, you know, COVID and the Trump actually administration, not the administration itself, but the very fact that Trump is in office has really shown us what the Democrat Party is all about. I have never been so concerned about the Democrat Party, and they've never shown to uh, be as much as American-hating as they are now. 
I mean, and so think about it. I mean, they're wanting to, you know, they're talking about giving amnesty to 22 non-citizens, illegal, illegal aliens, illegal immigrants, you know, again, showing that they're not about the rule of law, certainly. And isn't that one of the things that the United States is supposed to be based off of is the rule of law? But no, they're not – you know they're they're showing that they're not. And what I don't understand about America, and let me tell you something, I, I, I'm almost to the point where if, if they were to have the Democrats win the Senate and take over the president, the presidency, America almost deserves what it's going to. The bad thing's going to be is almost the almost half of the country who were like, uh-uh, no, they don't. And I'm telling you. Mark my words, we see these people protesting in the streets. I, I tell you, I think we need to do the same. I really do. I don't know if this you know, silent majority thing is going to work. I hope it does. And again, I hope what they were saying earlier about, well, you know, him just getting the nomination could very well get him the presidency. You know, I, and, and only needing Democrat votes. Maybe they're alluding to the fact that. You know, it's not that the Democrats, you know, people tout that, oh, the Democrats are just not excited about Biden. And you're right. They're not. What they are excited about is the prospect of getting rid of Trump because all the BS that the, you know, the propaganda arm of the Democrat Party, which is the media, the state media, the deep state. I mean, it's all exposed. It's all out there. Anyone, in my opinion, with common sense should be able to see it. Just like, you know, when they're trying to say, you know, oh, well, all these thousands of people being in the street for COVID doesn't, isn't going to make any of the numbers spike. But yet, uh, you know, people going one night in a rally is going to make COVID spike when you have thousands of people for weeks on end on, a, on practically every night out in the streets yelling and screaming, spittle flying everywhere for those who didn't make masks. And, for, and then for the science and and articles and peer reviews to all say that, oh, no, no, there's no signs that this, that this, you know, caused any kind of uptick in COVID. Really? And then just like today, we, we, I heard something from uh, Mike DeWine, our governor of Ohio, who, you know, is talking about, you know, the rising cases. And he, he's a Republican, and he is mimicking the media. I mean, the only states that we hear about, think about it, I bet, and I, I know we have listeners from all across the country, frankly, all across the world, but all, mostly all across the United States. And what are the states that you keep hearing the numbers from? Ohio, Florida, Arizona, Texas. These are the ones that you're hearing about. California's numbers are going up just as much as the other one's numbers, but you don't hear the media. You don't hear the so, so-called Republican governor of Ohio talking about it. And why is that? Because California, no matter we all know, and I, you know, our guest is from California. We have our call, you know, our panel here, people from our panel from California, you know, and we'll, you know, we'll hear from them tonight. But they are, they don't mention California. Why? Because no matter what happens in California, they're going to vote for Biden. It's going to go for Biden. So the media is just keeping that out of the people's consciousness. Along with some willing, I think willing participants such as, uh, you know, such as Republican and name only Mike DeWine in Ohio, is there mentioning what? The swing state of Ohio, the swing state of Florida, Arizona, swing state of Florida. I mean, I'm sorry, Arizona. And then they, they're, they're, they're 
they're getting more confident that they're going to be able to turn. Either there's mass uh, election fraud going on, or we're in damn trouble, man. We, I mean, I thought we were in trouble when, you know, I thought we were, we were in trouble when I see when Virginia start flipping uh, to blue. If Texas goes, we're, I'll tell you what, as they said in the beginning, and I believe our guests on the line, uh, you know, if they get te- take Texas and, and then they're able to, you know, give amnesty to 11 million illegal immigrants in this country, they're right. I don't, well, I don't know if they're right because it's going to be based off states best of the electoral college. But you, you know, if you have 11 million, in a, you know, illegal aliens, and you have, you know, a lot of those probably in Mexico getting citizenship, where now they can vote. We, you know, we know what the party they're going to vote for. We know the the, the Democrat Party. It's not the party of America. Now, I, I tell people who were Democrats, it's like, and we're going to get our guest in here in a, in, a, in a few minutes, in a few moments. But we got our, you know, Democrats is like, look, this is not the party. This is not the party of, it's not. And so I don't understand why any patriotic American, any, you know, Democrat, you know, of, of the JFK days, you know, the older Democrats, we vote for Democrat. They are anti-America, and that's why we say tonight, you know, that or I say tonight that you know President Trump could very well be the last president to stand for U.S. sovereignty. It could very well happen. And so let's go ahead. I believe we got our guest on the line. I'm going to open up a mic here, uh, and that is uh, Avneet Singh, and I believe this is him. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Avneet, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Uh, this is not your guest. This is Nathan in Orlando. I, I, oh, I, Nathan. I just, okay. Well, I got so many numbers up here, Nathan. Um, if I'm you want to go I ahead called, and chime listen, in, listen. I just, I just called in to say one thing uh, on this COVID thing. Uh, they said in the beginning that this disease, this virus, cannot live past 80 degrees. The four states that they say has the highest numbers are the ho- hottest uh, in the hundreds every day. In in this country, Florida, Texas, Arizona, and California. So, uh, it, you know, it's it's a game. If it can't live past a hundred, I mean, eighty degrees, why is it surviving and 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 striving in hundred degree weather? Yeah, I, think and I don't that's know media. about yeah, media. And I, that's media. And I wasn't. Well, and I wasn't sure about that, that either because we did – I mean, you know, back when we were – I was getting reports um, from Singapore and getting uh, reports uh, from the Philippines. I mean, when I get reports of the Philippines, it was like 90-something degrees over in the Philippines, and they were still locked down from COVID. Now, I haven't heard anything quite some time about the lockdowns. I mean, I know that um, – my correspondent there has actually, you know, the stores have opened up. They've been going to stores. I'm not hearing about any type of food rationing or anything of that nature going on there anymore. So it sounds like things have calmed down considerably uh, in the Philippines. Now, yeah, I think they're again, just trying to keep us fair, keep us fear, and so we can stay home. And the economy drops, and Trump Trump loses is what they're pushing for. So, um, so I just, but I wanted to point out to those four four hottest. States right now are the supposed the ones with the highest numbers of of new cases every day. And uh, Mr. Tobert put something out there earlier today. I haven't got a chance to look at it, but it's about some kind of a scam going on here at the the place where you go to get uh, uh, tested. 
100% of the people that show up to get tested supposedly has it. And the numbers can't be that big, so they're just creating. I haven't looked at it yet. It's in my email, but I noticed that just before your show started. But anyway, I'm going to let you go and just keep listening by the computer. All righty. Well, then now um, close the mic. And, yeah, sorry about that, folks. I thought maybe that was our our guest. Um, I do have Dr. Colbert on the line. Uh, and, Dr. Colbert, thank you very much for coming to the show. But if our, our guest, when our guest does call in, I'll have to, you know, bring him in because they said only, you know, give us about a half hour tonight, maybe able to give us more. Generally, we see that that happens. Uh, but, you know, we'll have to see. But thank you very much, Dr. Colbert. It's good to hear from you. How are you? Good. And I apologize. I haven't been able to come on, Rob. I just want to bring up several subjects to people to think about that's creating a big issue. One, there's a discussion that Trump is going to vote uh, and bring in the DACA program, uh, which would be a negative because that would be the illegals. That would definitely cause right. an issue. Uh, there's the other one uh, that Obama formed a HOA where the federal government was going to direct uh, the states on how they would divide uh, their cities and how they would integrate the poor housing. Uh, there's something that people need to be aware of. There's uh, issues about Obamacare in uh, the unconstitutionality of it, and the Supreme Court still hasn't ruled on it. Uh, there's also the question about what and why are we spending multi millions of dollars on a wall, and yet we're not bringing it into our jobs. Uh, there's the uh, school opening issue that is the federal government is trying to get the states, and the states are going to look at going virtual strictly, which is going to separate the students from working with each other. And I'm just bringing these in because these are all the uh, issues that people don't understand there's also the issue of the medical advisors, who I think is called the CDC, that have totally misrepresented the virus, and that there's an issue uh, about misinformation, and it has been proven that this virus versus uh, uh, the flu and other issues aren't the way they are. There's also the issue in the state of Florida that under a statue of 1951, you're not allowed to wear masks in certain places, uh, yet in 2011 it was renewed, and yet they're circumventing statues without breaking uh, the laws. So all these factors are coming into the system. Uh, the question is, when you vote for Trump, can you vote for independent candidates for the Senate for the House of Representatives, and would these non-political individuals be able to bring America back to a status that would give us the freedom? We also discussed the 56 individuals that signed the Constitution that end up dying in protection of this. Their families died. There was the Six-Year War. There's all these other factors. Go ahead, Robert. Well, real quick, yeah, I do see some other callers uh, uh, came in. Uh, we do have our host uh, coming in from uh, California. Uh, if you're out, you know, out there, cause we do have a number of folks. Just push the one on your number dial, 
uh, and I'll know that's uh, yourself to get anxious. <laughs> I already thought one of the callers uh, tonight, uh, Nathan, was our, our guest, but uh, unfortunately I was mistaken there, but you know, we do have some folks on, so if uh, push the number on your one on your number down, I'll get you into the show. Uh, that lets me know that you're ready to, to come in. Uh, so uh, let's see. Go ahead, go ahead, Dr. Tolbert. Yeah, I just wanted to regroup everything because people don't realize that everything that's being built up to the election is actually the press bringing issues saying Trump's going to do this, going to do this, and Trump's going to do this. And these are all falsified reports. So it is not just about the virus or the DACA. It's not just about the Homeland Security uh, even the issues of closing down, and I believe that uh, we have uh, the immigration. They did the thing on the visas. Uh, they weren't going to let uh, people uh, stay in America that were going to school full time, uh, but they were doing it all online. And there were 16 uh, lawsuits brought, and Trump backed off of that. So there's a lot of things going on out there that people need to pick up on. It's just not a simple thing. One of the issues I've got with this election is that the president has not taken position of what he's doing. He's taken position against what other people is doing. I think he needs to restate his position on subjects that you're going to discuss tonight to include the enforcement of the Constitution. Uh, There's a lot of shows about any and all these subjects but nobody's clarifying and I've kind of been sitting back the last couple of weeks and, you know, listening and, and seeing what's going on around me. But I just wanted to briefly get everybody in the audience, start picking up on all these issues. Don't just pick up on one, Robert. And I appreciate the few minutes you've given me. And did the lady get taken care of? Okay. In the Philippines. Yeah, well, we did. We got that all taken care of. I definitely want to uh, thank you and others who contributed. Yeah, she actually even had to do that in order to get the death certificate, which, you know, I guess that's just how things work over there. Uh, but yeah, we're able to get that all uh, squared away. She even sent me, you know, you know, photos of the certificate and you know things of that nature. Right. Um, this, you know, so they were able to get that taken care of. So I certainly uh, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the time. God bless. Okay, me too. And we'll keep uh, your, your mic on there. Uh, you know, again, uh, if you know, I got a number of callers in. Uh, if you'd like to push the one and number dial, uh, you know, I see one who may be our guest. When you're ready, sir, to, to go ahead and push the one and number dial, uh, we'll get you into the show. Uh, then we're thinking about coming, uh, calling it about 10:30 our time. So that's ours. And I believe, uh, yes, our guest is ready. So let's go ahead and bring him in. Uh, thank you very much, uh, very. Uh, for coming to the show, Avnit, uh, how are you tonight? I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me on. I'm Avnit here from Voice of Mankind. Yeah, certainly. And uh, you know, when I was reading at that, and I mentioned, you know, uh, you know, God's logic, right? And so when they say that the goal uh, of the organization is to make sense of changes in the world through logic, you know, when, when it was reached out to me to have you onto the show. It definitely perked my ears up, so I definitely want to hear more about it. Um, so, you know, just briefly explain, um, you know, what brought you to create uh, the Voice of Mankind. Sure, yeah. So um, it's Voice of Mankind, and what we do is we say we help people 
make sense of a changing world. So we're definitely bipartisan. We don't support uh, any particular agenda. But what I do and what I what team does is that we help. We provoke people to think and explore certain issues that they really need to focus on, and we help them uh, make informed decisions and, and uh, about these uh, relevant issues. Um, so where it really did start was uh, I've worked as an analyst uh, for the last 15 years in uh, you know most of the or quite a few of the Fortune 100 companies, and including some of the bigger ones, and. Um, and yeah, I came across so many tools, the way you think, so much information about the world, about the culture, about economy. And I realized a lot of it isn't really used to drive the public narrative. And I thought, it's, why is it? Why is it that? Why is that the corporations, you know, they have access to so much information. They have so much access to so many, um, you know, knowledge and tools and, 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 and the power of a data and analytics and so i thought why not use that to help the public and that's how this organization was founded and you know there's a number of points we're going to you know go tonight uh from my understanding you look at things through the prism of a libertarian uh perspective is that correct Yes, uh, I'm more libertarian inclined, but I don't have any formal association and I'm happy to uh, entertain other views as well. Uh, I, I, I like to think I'm bipartisan, tripartisan, uh, and, and I usually use logic and uh, to, to, to drive the conversation. Uh, but yeah, definitely I have libertarian leanings if, if uh, uh, but it's again it's just a gentle lean it's not too 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 hard to our shuffling okay one of the things uh, we're going to go through is you know, one thing we're talking about you know the president trump may be the uh the last uh for the united states to stand up for you know american sovereignty and of course one of the things that always comes up when that is discussed our sovereignty is globalism, and so I have here that you know, is are you supportive of globalism? And is that to say that you are in favor of a more of a, a one world government? Is there about a global cooperative? Uh, I mean, in what way would at least I as, as I have here, you're supportive of globalism? Absolutely. Uh... The, I'm definitely supportive of globalism, and as far as you know, like you said, you know, uh, is would President Trump be the uh, last president to uh, fight for our sovereignty? I hope not, and I think the rest of the world doesn't hope that either. I mean, if you if you look look beyond uh, just you know the usual geopolitical uh, you know tussle for power, if you lo look beyond it. Most of the world is generally supportive of America's leadership, but that's because you know we still lead the world in supporting human rights. You know we, you know we seen as as uh, as um, um, as as a you know even though you know it's the largest economy and the largest military, but it's seen as a power for good rather than a power for bad. So I think overall, you know, you'll find even, you know, the greatest intellectuals outside America uh, and even, even you, know, the, you know, Chinese, you know, if you look beyond their just the immediate need, you know, they, they need to take, uh, they need to fight for their interests. But beyond that, they, 
they also uh, you know see american leadership in in in, in a good light so uh, definitely we need a president that that pushes for american values and america's sovereignty abroad however um coming back to the question of globalism which you asked for i think it's uh, i i support global globalism and globalization it's been there forever i mean from the european spice trades to the dows which are the small fishing and trading vessels that sailed between africa middle east india and china um you know the the silk road uh, that you know that marco polo traveled between venice and italy and china so this trade and globalization has been there it's just part of our dna to trade to travel to share ideas move goods and services so we want that that improves our quality of life so we definitely want that uh, and i'm supportive of it however there's always certain aspects you know in and you know which which need particular attention and a good example of this is artificial intelligence which is now classified as as a weapon because it can be used in destructive ways so yeah there will be certain um specific issues that we need to discuss but overall i think it's a uh, globalization is something that america enabled they pushed for it um and and they re- really took it at a global scale uh, and and i'm generally supportive of that now when you're saying you know, you know just to clarify with the supportive of globalism you're not talking about or are you uh, a one world government where countries like the united states are going to be, you know, under the jurisdiction uh, jurisdiction of, you know, we have to abide by the WHO, we have to uh, abide by uh, the ICC. Uh, like a lot of folks are concerned that, you know, if Biden were to be elected, that, you know, we would actually be under the the leash almost of just using those two uh, organizations as an example when the WHO and the ICC really don't show to be very friendly. Uh, if not hostile to the United States. Yeah, I mean that that's a good interesting conversation and uh, you're correct it's um, you know the international criminal court it's uh, they can be hostile uh, because you know they, they they can be very political um but it's it's it's, it's also works the the uh, you know they I mean they international bodies and and we have to be part of that world you know the united nations and w world health organization uh, because you know these these international bodies can be used for for good as well uh, but you're right it's i think there's specific instances where the ICC and WHO have failed and uh, and the question is do we work with them do we reform them or do we exit from them and say sorry we're not going to uh, we're not going to work with these international bodies because if, if we do that if we if we step back from these international bodies uh, they will be completely controlled by uh, other countries that might use them in different ways and the second point is we'll probably have no other international forum or international institutions that are working for collaboration between countries so it's it's a difficult question i, I totally agree it's like it's it's a, it's a body that's uh, you know there bodies that have failed in many ways uh, but equally if we just completely step away we don't have a forum or an in, in, international institution that works for us so it's it's a difficult question i mean you know it's uh, it's uh, it's it's very um 
I mean, these 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 things have have profound implications for the for the next few decades. Um, so it's I wouldn't I I would certainly ask the, your listeners not to rush into judge, judge into judgment because it's uh, it it definitely will have profound implications. Well, it certainly needs to be, you know, you guys, we could probably do them at the, you know, a whole show or at least a whole segment on absolutely, on that or, or even absolutely. a couple. But, yeah, I mean, cause, I mean they, as I said, they showed to be more hostile, uh, you know, especially with the, the recent happenings with COVID and, and China and, and how the WHO, you know, how they were with that. And, then, of course, the United Nations and how we – the United States it's, – it's ironic. The United States, you know, paved the bulk – uh, of at least the w, you know, WHO and uh, the United Nations, but yet some would even see these folks as or those organizations as you know anti-America and, and want to bring a, maybe a and that's what their concern is is by us have to be you know leashed to these you know international organizations that we very well may lose some of our sovereignty because of it. And we'll go over to one thing. What this topic is brought up. Uh, on the show before, uh, we were working on having uh, presidential candidate Yang on. He was running for the Democrat Party. Uh, now, before we were able to actually get him on the show, he dropped out of the race. Uh, but one of the things that, that he would talk about some, and I do see that we have here, is the notion of the universal basic income uh, and how it's seen as a people's right. Uh, and it can compensate for losses due to globalization. And so my question Absolutely. on universal basic income is that what Yang was proposing, at least in the United States, was about $1,000 per month. Now, two things uh, – well, three, really. I mean, one, how would that be paid for? Um, you know, how would it be work, especially with people who didn't work, who people refused to work, even though they're able-bodied in mind to work? Would they still get – uh, a universal basic income, and how would that be determined? How much, and 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 who would get it, and how much would that universal income be? Absolutely, yeah, that's a very good question, and I think as you rightly rightly pointed out, that is seen as uh, something that will uh, reduce the negative effects of globalization. So, just for your listeners, you know, universal basic income is just uh, a, a certain income you get every month. Uh, and there's the few things we need to know. One is that it's not means tested, so everybody gets the same amount. A millionaire will get a thousand dollars. Somebody who doesn't work, homeless, or whatever, um, they will still get a thousand dollars or whatever number we come. With. So everybody gets exactly the same amount. It's not means tested. The, the so I think that 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 is the key. And the reason for this is 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 just the money you get as a share so to, to really understand it's you have to take a step back and ask yourself like who owns our country it's it's the people who own our country so i live in the close to the central valley in california so when rights are given out for fracking and oil extraction the government makes billions of dollars out of it shouldn't some of that money go to back to the people as well and that is one of the one of the um, you know the basis of behind universal basic basic income is that the you know the government makes a lot of money from the land from um, you know from our resources our natural resources uh, and and uh, you know taxation in in terms of 
you know, so all, all of that money belongs to the people because the land belongs to the people, the country belongs to the people. So part of it comes back to us. So it is it is a way of uh, you know us asserting our rights on our country. Uh, so that that is why it's just just given given to everyone. Uh, I mean, the amount can always be worked out, whether it's going to be $900 or $1,100 or $1,500. That, that's, that is something that, you know, depends on how much money is uh, is available. Um, so, yeah, but the, you know, the key is, it's, is that it's everybody gets exactly the same amount. It's not means tested. And it's a way of us asserting our rights on our country. But what, real, real quick, and then, uh, you know, Kelly right. was to come, and he's also from California, and we're certainly going to get to the other topics because there's a, a couple I really want to make sure we get to tonight. So hopefully you'll be able to, you know, stay for all, all the conversation. Uh, but what about the last question on that is, so even if someone's not working, why is it their basic, you know, because it's universal basic income and it's seen as a right. Uh, even if they're not working, why is it their right if they're not contributing to society? And now these are for people, as I said earlier, able-bodied, able-mind people who they're able to work and contribute to society in that way. And I'm going to talk about people who are like older, retired age, or things of that nature, but they just refuse to work. And I don't, is it there the concern that if there is a universal basic income, whereas it's, it's probably not lo- enough to live off comfortably, but it is, is it not going to incentivize people to either not work or work less? No, uh, because it's just enough for people to uh, to cover their absolute basic needs, you know, like really the most basic shelter and the most basic food. Uh, and that is really enough for people to live on. And it's, 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 it's you know, Some anybody okay that, that can... <laughs> Uh, yeah, but also keep in mind it's the other way around. It's it's like basic human rights, or and you know we have Medicare and we have other policies for when when we get old. Uh, it's it's you know we we don't say well you should have saved for for your old age. So it it, it is people's rights. It's you know it's your right and you you assert your right on your country in the form of universal basic income. It's like you have a right to call an ambulance if you're sick and it doesn't matter whether you have uh, whether you're contributing to the society or not so there's certain human rights that are given to you you have a right to vote and you know that the, even though you're not probably you know it's, that's given to people even when you're not contributing to the economy so it's it's part of those rights it's nothing to do with your contribution to the economy however it's 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 uh, you know the the hypothesis or the you know the thinking behind it is that if if we take care of the most basic needs of people uh, they probably can be active doing what they can maybe they will create you know works of art or they will get involved in uh, charity and social work they will help uh, contribute to the community in a different way because you know uh, because they 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 don't have the pressure to go out at 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 work at minimum uh, way jobs where they might not be uh, you know doing what they're really good at uh, so that that is the theory behind it so even though it's just the absolute minimum for people to live on most people wouldn't be happy living living with that but if they are uh, they will contribute to society and the country and the community in different ways that are not always tangible. Okay. Well, I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know if uh, you convinced me of that, <laughs> you know, I'll have to, because I, 
I, I've worked since I was 14 years old, and everything I everything I have, I'm as middle class as middle class goes, uh, you know. And everything I've got, I you know, I, I've earned and I've worked for. Uh, so the, the, the notion that you know, someone could just sit around and collect money from, frankly, from my tax dollars, uh, I'm thinking that's that's a part of how it's going to be, you know, paid for for these different programs. That I have a hard time, you know, when I work my my butt off to to put my 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 kid through school, and even though I spend you know send the private school, I also have to pay through my property taxes for you know the general public for them to go to public schools and so now that you know now they want us to you know the thought of well now we're going to you know put clothes on people's back shelters over their head and you know and food in their stomachs i mean that's in my my mind that's personal responsibility i mean you, you right. the basics are at your are pressures of that i think the pressures of being responsible for yourself and your family is on, on, on yourself as well. But I'm going to go ahead and bring it because we got tons to talk about, and I, I definitely want yeah, I mean, you know, I, to I be able to get it all couple, in. Right. If I sure, go ahead. Go ahead and bring it, Kelly. One, yeah. One is that you know, with you, if, if we have universal basic income, a lot of other social programs can go away, like unemployment insurance, um, you know, the support that we give to people who, you know, who are below the poverty line. So it will, it will also means a lot of money will be saved from other programs. And the second thing is, oh, it's, okay. uh, not, it's not money that will be coming off you or your hard work or your paycheck. I mean, a good example is, let's say we open up the National Wildlife Refuge in, or in, in Alaska to oil exploration. That will generate billions of dollars. All of it will be divided with the, by, between the government and the corporations. So if you have, you know, uh, but with the, the concept of universal basic income, a part of it also goes to the people because it's also the people. You know, keep in mind, we own our country. If, if somebody's going to be making money off, the, off, off uh, selling um, rights to oil exploration, people should get that. People should also get part of that money. So it's, it's you know, we'll calculate how much is the money ma- government making of natural resources. Um, in a, and that is the money that will go into a pot from where we'll pay the universal basic income. Plus it also takes away all of the unemployment insurances and a gazillion other inefficient government programs that uh, that can just go away and that will save money. So it's a, it's a, that, 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 now that, that sounds better to me. <laughs> that explains, right, no, see, that sounds logical to me. <laughs> more logical. It definitely will not come from, <laughs> money will definitely not come from more taxes on you and me. Okay. Well, yeah, that, well, that, yeah, cause that's good. It's like, because well, you know, when people describe it, they first, first talk about, okay, this is just another, you know, another right. thing put out there on top of, you know, uh, and, no. and, I, and I, and I don't mind, I don't mind unemployment insurance because you pay into it. So do the employers. It, it's the, right. it's the, it's the generational welfare that I, that I have a, a, a problem with. Right. Uh, and also so keep in mind, universal basic income really took off in some country, like in Scandinavia, where they had so much like literally trillions of dollars worth of oil money from uh from the oil exploration in the north sea and the question was Looking what do we do with, you, know, you could give that. it right right so we could be you know what do we do with those trillions of dollars we could just you know the the, the government already has you know they already tax people so heavily and they didn't want to give the money to corporations so it, it just started you know that, that was that's a good example of you know what does what do small countries in Scandinavia that have trillions of dollars of uh, royalties from oil exploration do with those trillions of dollars and 
that that's how it's you know Scandinavia is seen as a good example of universal basic income. The numbers are high enough for us to see the difference. No, I certainly appreciate that, and I think that might have answered uh, one of the questions there in chat on who's going to pay for, and including mine, uh, on where it's going to come from. But let's go ahead and Absolutely. bring it, Kelly. It's not going to be me and you. And then, <laughs> no, not just me and you. I've got Kelly and I've got Nathan uh, on the line. I've got, you know, Lightway in chat to, uh, the, you know, our, the COVID conversation. I definitely want to get to our conversation on the economy and the choices we have, at least at this point where it seems like the choices we have, depending on who we vote for, is uh, the Green New Deal or you know, what I call a space economy. Uh, no one's really calling it that, but I'm <laughs> here right now. But um, and, like, well, there's people who allude to it. They don't call it the space economy. That's the, the LaRouche pack. Uh, but, the, but you're talking about maybe a, a third alternative, which includes both, and a fourth industrial revolution. And I definitely want to make, you know, talk about that tonight because I just don't know how you – know, would we be able to do, do it all? I mean I'm the kind of person who would love to be able to do it all. Um, but I don't know how feasible that is. But let's go ahead and bring in Kelly, and then Nathan, we'll, we'll get you in. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to get everybody all, you know, through the conversations for discussion and questions of our guests tonight. But thank you very much, Kelly, who's also in California, uh, for coming to the show tonight. How are you? Good, good, good. In northern part of California, we call it up here the state of Jefferson. We want to be autonomous away from California, but you're, Robert, talking, and, and thanks for bringing an interesting guest, the uh, – yeah, you were talking about you were working since you were a kid. I was raised on a farm and 12, 13, 14, working for, you know, on the farm, plus for other farmers, raising about 80 head of livestock, went off to college. I just finished a structural design for a new house. The uh, Not happy with the designer, but he, well, he got sick or something, and I have to do his work for him, and, but he's already been paid. Um, so that's not fun, but... Uh, the uh, universal living wage, um, it might work in some countries, may not in others. Some other things to think about for our guests is uh, if you're going to have a universal income, which means we're going to need a universal government, which means we're going to need a one-world government, which means that maybe every, I don't know, 10 million people get a congressman, if you will, a representative to the world government. And what's going to happen here is the poor countries are going to vote against America because we just happen to have all the goodies. <laughs> I mean, we're going to be outvoted. It's already – look at the UN. It's composed mostly of Muslim nations, and they just uh, – you know, they outvote America. So, you know, we go to that level of universal government, uh, universal <clears throat> living wage, all this stuff. It's going to come out of America, and we're going to get poor. And so that's just kind of something you might want to think about. And then looking at libertarians, uh, you mentioned you kind of lean libertarian. I'm well. I, I think, sir, a, a Democrat would be a better fit for you. What you've espoused, libertarians are big time into freedom and have no inkling whatsoever and no desire whatsoever in type of socialism or universal health care rights. Or a right to healthcare is not anywhere in libertarian thinking. How do I know this? <laughs> Been a libertarian for a long time, and I went to the national convention. I also went to the California state convention twice. Um, you know, I've read the platform. Uh, they also have a biggest profound thing in the libertarian party is called the non-aggressive, non-aggression principle. And government is forced, by the way. If I want uh, poor people to have money, then 
it would be by force of the government, and it would violate the libertarian non-aggression principle. So I'm just kind of hmm, – you might want to check out the Democrats because that's what you're saying is not really libertarian party thinking. So I, I just thought I'd throw that out to you. Um, so I, I just – how would you respond, I guess, question for you. How would you respond to <clears throat> a big world government that has um, – I don't know, let's pick – you put the, all the reps from all over the world in, into a stadium – and America is only like 10%, not even that, 5% of the world. Uh, how how would America yeah, but have how, any sovereignty uh, I mean, uh, protected? Right, but you know we're not we're not we're not doing that. I mean, even with United Nations, you have the you know countries with veto power. Uh, so you know you know the all of Middle East combined can't really. Uh, get anything done if just one of the five permanent members of the Security Council veto it out. So I don't think it's uh, it's uh, you know even with the outdated structure of the United Nations, I don't think that is, that is an issue. Um, well, is that a government you would like to see where we don't have veto power anymore? It's conflicting nope. with sovereignty. I, I'm I'm just kind of confused about what you're trying to, to say here. Uh, I mean, I'm not supportive of that. I, I didn't support that. Um, what is your? Uh, sorry, I think maybe I'm just a little bit lost. Um, I mean, universal basic income is just just within America. It doesn't involve any any interaction with any other country. Uh, and 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 I've mentioned. I mean, I do have libertarian slight bent, but I don't agree with all of their ideas. Uh, this is. You know, it's, it's, you know, yeah, so it's, uh, I, I agree with you, this isn't a libertarian concept. Well, globalism, uh, you're favoring that, um, you go into a global government, you're going to have corporations that <laughs> no. want to control no, it's just free, yeah, not, not global governments. I mean, I, I don't think that's feasible. I, I don't think Russia, China, uh, America, and, and, uh, and you know, B India and Brazil will somehow agree to uh, a global government. It's, you know, they are strong, sovereign, independent nations. However, I think the question is about, you know, how do we uh, manage the free flow of ideas, services, goods, uh, people, labor, or labor, tourism, uh, how, do, how do we manage that? You know, because, you know, as you know, people... Uh, real, real quick, real, 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 real quick, I'm going to chime in real quick, is that and, and for the most part, I would agree, for, the, for most of what you said there, Nate, I would agree with you. Brazil, China, Russia, you know, uh, India, I agree with you. Those countries probably would not be interested in, in a world war government because the, I'm not so sure about India. I'm not so sure. Well, maybe Brazil, not that it, that's ever to ever happen. But China and Russia, okay, and again, I don't think India, but those two nations, they want to be the hegemonic power of the world. No, in my in my opinion, there's no, there's, I can't say no question, but there's a lot of evidence suggesting that those two, you know, used to be, you know, you, you know, USSR, Russia, they used to have, not USSR anymore, but uh, Russia, you know, 
used to have the power to be able to do that. Not so much anymore. That's you know, that's China, and I think that's why you see organizations, and this might sound trite, but organizations such as Nike and the NBA are kind of kowtowing to China, and the WHO are kowtowing to China, because they see that China's going to be the next hegemonic power in the world. So I agree with you on that. Nations such as China probably have no interest whatsoever in that type of you know, one world government unless they're the head of it. Now, whereas what you know, in, in India, they, I mean, they, I mean, you would probably know, I'm sure, more about India than I. But I would imagine what I know about India, and let's say even, I, I don't, I won't even bring Brazil in, but would, would be more, yeah, they would wouldn't be as more like a, a government world government power, regardless of who the. Uh, you know, the hegemonic power will be. Now, with the United States, this is where I differ the most. There are those in our government who absolutely either want to see the fall of the United States because they never thought the United States was built off anything good, and they want to see it fall, or two, they, they believe, they're of the mind, that it's an eventuality that the United States will lose its hegemonic power to China, and so they're trying to hedge their bets with China in order to do so. That, that's what I think. Right. I think that you know, if you have Trump in office, yeah, you certainly you – know, who's a populist, a national populist, yes, he certainly doesn't want to see, one, the United States lose its hegemonic position. And as you said in the beginning part of the show, is that you know, a lot of the world does you know, look towards the United States for leadership. But there's also people in the world such as I think China and, and uh, Russia that want to not, you know, Brazil. Right. I think they would like to see us get knocked off. And I think that Argentina would like to see not um, Argentina. Venezuela would like to see us get knocked off. Okay, for, Robert, from the top. And, Robert, so would Iran. Go ahead. Yeah, Robert, Dr. Tolbert, can I interject a second? Oh yeah, real, yeah. Go ahead, and we'll bring it back to our guest. Go ahead. I just want to bring up there are 195 countries, and in these 195 countries, that are a majority of them that aren't intermingled as they should be. And Brazil now is becoming one of the strongest countries, and they just took over a new president that is on the American side, and they're growing to a statue that they're going to be very competitive against the marketplaces today and we're also setting up what they call the hybrid school system it's going to be called uh, walking your vision uh, university and it's going to be uh, global uh, virtual reality uh, hybridschools.org a lot of people don't understand that under the school system uh, teaching through the global networks as a pastor and doing the homeschooling, the virtual reality schooling, the uh, church schooling, and the classroom is going to be the one that's going to give the adaptation of independence of these countries where they're going to be able to compete more through industrial training and intellectual teaching. And this is the thing that's not going on today, that there's a lot of uh, misunderstanding about the word global versus uh, one world power under George Sawyers and uh, uh, Gates, that these two individuals are looking for one world power and the supporting of China because of their multi-trillions of dollars of income. So clarification, it's okay to use the word global as long as you're saying 
that you're not going to unite them under one realm of power, which is the whole purpose of socialism. Right. So I'm just going to be there's quiet no, there. There's no, yeah, if I might intercept, you know, there's no political unions. It's just free flow of ideas, services, Amen. goods, uh, tourism and labor uh, in in a way it's it's a lot similar to what the european union is it's you know the european union involved in you know, france and switzerland oh, sorry much as france and germany just take the two examples they still are independent sovereign nations uh, but there is free flow of uh, people uh, there's free flow of goods there's free flow of services um, so I think it's it's uh, you know no no nobody would no I don't think in today's world there's any country that wants to be in some sort of political union with Russia or China or Brazil or anyone else. I mean even Canadians would not want to be in a political union with America, and that is you know they are almost half brothers, right? So I think if there's no political union, you know everybody will still keep their sovereignty. But what people would like to see is some sort of you know free flow of ideas like the old um, NAFTA and now the UCMA. Uh, you know we have free flow of goods and services, um, and 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 that and and our challenge is how do we manage that because that is globalization that just helps uh, you know that is good for the economy that's good improves our quality of life. Uh, so that that is the you know the free flow of goods, ideas, services, people, labor, tourism. That's what we're looking for. While every country country maintains its sovereign status. Yeah, and that's one of the things right, I want to bring in. Nathan, and then I'm going to bring in Nathan. Um, is that you know he says, look, I mean, if you know, it, it is each country's leader to and the people of each country to put you know to, to put their country first you know his his mantra is and we got some background noise whoever that is move your mic please um i, I don't want to have to do that um and so you know you, you know make america great again you know it, it was the, with the mantra and and he said in many speeches look we say you know america's great but he, he says everyone who thinks they should believe tree therein and you know it's great and frankly it's called patriotism he didn't say that but uh and so you know, but I mean, but his purpose is to be the leader of the United States, and a lot of our representatives, especially in the Democrat Party, who many of them, you know, hate America and doing everything they can, in my opinion, at least to destroy America. You know, they they don't believe that. I mean, they've proven time and time again that they, you know, they favor, you know, or support more people who you know are not, you know, citizens of the United States over that. Uh, but be that as it may, uh, let's go ahead. I mean. Again, I mean, I think it's in, in America. That's that's one party uh, that no. I mean, I think they would be very happy uh, to see the United States uh, lose lose power, uh, you know, in, in the hands and taking over uh, to somebody else. Because again, they they don't they don't believe in you know that you know the United States has been as you as you stated earlier in, in this in you know since you've been here of Nate uh, that we've been a good leader, you know, in the past, you know, couple hundred years that we've been here. Uh, so let's go ahead and bring in uh, Nathan. Thank you very much. Hey, Nathan, yeah, for coming yeah, back I got just one, go I just got one thought well, on what he was talking about. Sarah Palin had a hard time. Uh, she rattled off. She believes in, in capitalism, but she has sued the uh, oil companies in Alaska and forced them because it was the people's property, like he said, and forced them to send a, a percentage of their profits, a check in the mail, 
to every citizen, uh, and, and, and they got that check every quarter in the mail. But their gas prices back then was probably two and a half, close to three times higher than the rest of the country. And I guess they did away with that now because their prices now they're at the pump is, is about as same as it is all over the country, rest of the country. So, uh, you know, if you if you can force someone like the oil company because they're using our we the people's land, that if they mail us a check, they're they're gonna get their money back. And what I'd like to segue into, of course, this is something we've been dealing with for you know since February. And we all know what I'm uh, referring to, and that's COVID. And one of the points that, you know, that stuck out me the most uh, is the political problem uh, in which, you know, you're, you're, you, you stayed at least in our, our points here, Ebony, is that, you know, there is a political problem with how COVID is being handled uh, and that it should Absolutely, be yes. used as a bargaining chip for personal gain by politicians. Now, with all the, you know, again, we, we, I don't know if you, met, you were here and heard this part of the show, is that even the Ohio governor, who the Ohio, Ohio in 2016, as you know, went, went for Trump, and supposedly a red state has a Republican governor. I say he's a, he's a Republican in name only. And, you know, and I know you said, you know, not really, but, you're, you know, a partisan, I'm more independent. But the, the, what I've seen, what the Democrats in this country want to do to America, you know, I, I, they, they, I had an episode where I said how the Democrats made me to a partisan Republican because, you know, because just, just they have they're, they're, they're the, in my in my view, they're the anti-American party right now uh, in the United States. And I think that, you know, because of the, and, and then with their, their propaganda arm, the media and so and the rising numbers of covid. OK, that, of course, they talk more about. The rising costs, uh, the rising cases, and, and not really focus a lot on on the deaths. Okay, the amount of deaths. But my, the focus is, and you talk about you know personal political gain, and I want you to speak on that. Is that why? Here, here, here's my take. You, they're talking about Ohio, Florida, Arizona, and Texas, all states that they feel like they're going to be able to flip in 2020. They don't mention they don't mention California, which you live, and so I'm sure you're hearing the news of the rising numbers and maybe even rising death cases. Why do you think that you know the Democrats and the media, or let's not even put the Democrats in there, uh, because you're you say, say not being uh, being nonpartisan, but what, what's your take on why the media? Is where they want to highlight, you know, what's going on in Ohio. They want to highlight what's going on. Oh, and then I seen an article the other day where cases in Minnesota. You hardly hear anything about Minnesota, and that's, you know, where the, all those, you know, protests began, right? But all, and then, then they come around and tell us that there's no way thousands of people in the streets of all of New York and, and Minnesota and, and in your place in your, you know, state California that there wasn't an up to three weeks. I mean, and, oh, there's no proof of uh, uptick of COVID for that. How, how, so I think there definitely is political and personal gain of being done by COVID. And, and especially, again, they're not mentioning those states. They're only mentioning states that the Democrats believe that they can, uh, they can flip. So, I mean, why do you think that the media – and that's why I think the media is living out those states. What do you think? Um, uh, I, I think it's just been uh, this um, so much – misinformation disinformation uh, politically motivated um, 
the data out there. Um, it's just, it's just, it's hard. I mean, uh, it's just hard to say what exactly is going on, but it could be, as you said, a combination of all of these factors because you know we we have institutions that have political bias. We could have you know uh, pressure from um, you know the you know the media also. It's I think that that's just very difficult question to answer because it's just you know it's been uh, discussed extensively and everybody has their own um take on it uh, i think it's just it's just hard to pinpoint but you're right it's it's a combination of all of this is a, a combination of you know media just highlighting certain uh, certain areas and it's a combination of you know misreporting this uh, not be, things not being reported it's just difficult to say so it's probably likely likely to be a combination of all of them but there's another thing i want to talk about which you just brought up and i think uh, you said you know that democrats uh, hate this country did i did i hear that right is 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 that oh yeah uh, in my correct? in my view yes my view they're the anti american party yes right. Okay, I mean, I, I would, uh, yeah, I've heard that several times. In fact, even on uh, Tucker Carlson on Fox News, he said, you know, why should we let Democrats run this country if if they hate this country? You know, why should they be allowed to run the country? Uh, I'm not sure if that is true. I mean, in, in I've, I, I'm not Democrat, and I certainly don't support almost all of their policies. Uh, but I've, I've I speak to quite a few of them. But I think it's more it's more of a you know the hate is more of the form of you know, if if you ask most people and they say well, which is the most dangerous animal on this earth, and they'll say humans, it doesn't mean we hate humans or we somehow don't want to be part of top of the food chain or anything like that. It's just that you know, dem- you know, if you talk to the Democrats, they actually believe that you know we are doing a lot of things that backfire and actually undermine our uh, our hedge money and our status in 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 the world uh, so that is their point you know it's it's not about i mean i'm sure some of them do actually hate and that is true uh, but generally it's 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 you know the the what comes out as his hatred is is along the lines of you know that you know hey we are doing we are making a lot of bad decisions that are undermining the respect and the status we used to have well, we, we well here well here's the thing they didn't have any and this is where it, well it's hypocrisy that's uh, that's how I see it not just me but a lot a lot of others I, 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 I hear what yeah. you're saying uh, what and what they're saying but what they're saying is hypocrisy because and, and let me give you a few examples one when Trump was you know was talking about and, and even Trump was sword rattling with North Korea oh my gosh. Trump's going to get us in world war. He's going to get us in world and uh, in war with you know, North Korea. Now, where is that? It's not going to hurt us. That's going to hurt our, you know, our allies in the spin. It's going to hurt Japan. It's going to hurt South Korea. Trump's going to get us in North Korea. Did that happen? No. Oh my gosh, what Trump's doing. Uh, uh, but here's the thing. But if he's not, oh, Trump's not being very diplomatic. So no matter what this guy does, okay, no matter what Trump does. It's, it's not like he's hurting our place, and uh, if, if anything, he's made it stronger. For instance, NATO pays more of what the Democrats – Democrats love the term pay their fair share. They absolutely – or phrase. It's not a term, but they love the phrase pay their fair share, fair share. And I'm not rich by any stretch of imagination. As I said earlier, I'm as middle class as middle class comes. And so they're, they're, that's their favorite phrase. But then they want to say, well, Trump's going against our allies, and he's talking about NATO, when all he wants – one of the things he wants NATO, wanted NATO to do is to uh, 
pay their, you know, pay their fair share of the GDP that they're supposed to do uh, for their own protection. I mean, for for how many years, how many decades has the United States, you know, been paying, frankly, for the protection of Europe? And and, and the thing is, is even even you know, Britain is, is seeing this. I mean, they they Brexit right? They left uh, they left the European Union, and so. No matter what Trump does, the Democrat Party and their, what I call their propaganda arm, uh, the media, is everything Trump does, it's always wrong. Oh, my gosh, he, he, he meets yeah, the Yeah, but that, that is he must, politics. He, I mean, he must – Right, right. He must, just, be, I mean, he must be – you know, well, but the thing, I, okay, I, I don't know how long you've been following politics, Ebony. I'm, I'm going to be 50 years old this year. I can't believe I just admitted that. But the thing is, is I've been following politics since I've been 10 years old, doing this for 40 years. And two things. One, I've never seen a political party be so divisive and be so – I don't, I don't want to use the word nasty, but 94 to 96 percent of everything that comes out of their mouths from the politicians and, again, their propaganda arm, the media – it's 94% negative. I don't care what president you are. I don't care. I mean, I know people want to use the excuse, not, not yourself, but that is what a lot of people say, oh, it's just politics. That's, just, that's an excuse. No, it's not just politics because it hasn't always been that way. And what those politicians like Adam Schiff are trying to do by some of the ways that they've described our president, okay, that, that they, you know, as being traitorous. I mean, and this is coming from the people from another party in our government through their propaganda arm, the media. They have developed a hatred, and I've been saying this for a long time. They are they are getting us ready for a civil war of me. They really are. That is. Okay, I, 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 have I, 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 yeah, I, I have a question. So I. There's so many. Hey. Know, uh, yeah, if if I can uh, intercept, I have a question. So, is is this uh, a consequence of democracy? Because in a democracy, it's only you only need to care about fifty one percent of the people, right? If you can turn fifty one percent of the people against the other forty nine, you can win. So, is this? You know, so that is one question. The second is, isn't this going on? I mean, you know, Brexit was polarizing. Uh, in India, you had a polarizing government. You, you know, the the President of, of Brazil is seen as polarizing. So my question is: that, Is is this polarizing people and making one half of the country hate the other half? Uh, is, is this a consequence of um, our democracy in a way being hijacked and being uh, misused? No, and this is why. This is why I say that. I say no. It's it's not because of polarization. It's not because you only want to you know you only need to. And actually, because of the electoral college, you really don't need to do 51 percent. Not really, because I mean, if if, if the numbers are are true, then Hillary she won the popular vote and she still lost. You know, and so because of the electoral college, thankfully, because I think she was the most po- corrupt politician to ever run for president, and so. No, no, I don't think that is because we've always we. I mean, the right and the left is always we've always disagreed. We've always disagreed with each other. But you know what? Did we ever want to punch somebody? Hold on, let me finish. Let me let me finish. Okay, you have people in the streets of me who get beaten up 
because they wear a because they wear a you know a Make America Great hat. You have people on the Democrat side who are saying that wearing a hat that says Make America Great somehow makes you a racist, somehow makes you a domestic terrorist. You know, because you're wearing that. Oh my gosh, that's a sign of you know. They're comparing the supporters of Trump, you know, to Nazis. And so no, we okay. We I've heard where people call different presidents presidents always behaving like you know Hitler. I've heard that they said that about Bush. There are some people who said that about Obama. Okay, but I've never seen it where oh my gosh, more and more where people are just getting beat up and people are losing friendships. I'll tell you for for example personally. I had a friend of a decade. Okay, Kelly, I'm gonna get you in after this. I, and cause then there's other top, topics I want to get to, uh, but there's. Uh, I mean, I, I had a friend of a decade. Okay, we. I mean, we went to each other's weddings. We, you know, celebrated the New Year's together. We went to ball games. We had dinner. Went to each other's house. You know, you know things of that nature. A decade-long friendship, and the only reason why he. That, uh, this guy gave up, uh, you know, left our friendship is because I voted for a different presidential candidate. I, I, I've never, I mean, that, and that, that, that's just not me. That happens. I've never seen so much vitriol. I've never seen so much hatred between the two opposing sides. There's been disagreements for sure. But the level of hatred, the, le- the, the level of violence that they want to have on each other, I mean, there's people, if you watch social media, there's people who, who want people from the other side literally to, to die. They, I mean, they want. I mean, you don't know how many people who they're like, oh my God, I hope everybody in at a Trump rally gets COVID. I mean, seriously. Okay, there's a there's a pandemic, and I think this is you know, well, this is part of the sale of it. Those people who are wishing people to get COVID and get sick and maybe even die because they support President Trump. Really? No, no, Ebony, I have not seen that. That's not because of polarization. That's not because of politics. That's because the media has made Trump into, into, into such a figure that, you know, that, that he's hated. People don't just dislike Trump. They have a visceral hate of Trump. And I don't want to st- keep on my, uh, on my soapbox. Because I, know what, I definitely want to talk about you know, the New Green Deal, the space economy, the Fourth Industrial Revolution. definitely want to talk about those things. Um, and, but I do want to uh, bring in uh, Kelly back in. So go ahead, Kelly. Yeah, sorry about Kelly, that. I was on mute. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I want to, you know, get to this division and all this problems we've been having. But I, I guess I want to offer something to Mr. Singh. Is did I pronounce your name right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, Mr. Singh. Because anybody that wants to pursue libertarian ideas, that's great. And and maybe we're kind of hung up on uh, words and definitions. Uh, for example, globalism. Um, that means a lot to people. It means Bilderbergers. It means Rockefellers, Rothschilds, the bad guys. But if you're merely meaning um, open trade, now open trade, I like open trade. Libertarians do too. And of course, trade brings a lot of peace. So I think that's maybe a little better definition is open trade instead of globalism. Um, another one would be um, how you mentioned how do we manage the free flow of ideas. Well, again, a little bit of a word snafu there. Libertarians, how do we manage uh, the free flow of ideas? We don't. We don't want to manage anybody's free speech. Now, 
the maybe the proper phrase would be how to protect how to pr protect and promote the free exchange of ideas and democrats will say control the narrative which is a completely anti-freedom position you know another definition that might help is that well we're not really a democracy we are a representative republic that in this uh, through the constitution and the bill of rights as a representative republic we have um the minority protected um you know the right to free speech trial by jury due process of law et cetera et cetera so maybe maybe you and i are having this, had a slight disagreement just over some um word usage um so maybe i think that kind of might clarify some things between us i mean i'm glad to help again i'm glad to help anybody that wants to pursue libertarian ideals and i do think you have some now that i'm understanding better as far as the division robert it, it's just it's getting frightening and ugly and mind-blowing people that want to control the free speech of another you go to a, a rally with a maga hat and you can get beat up this is not the america i grew up in where is not this division either. coming from i mean if, if trump is the second <laughs> yeah if trump is the second coming of hitler then why didn't the, the Israeli nation not get that memo? Because they have named a town in Israel Trump. They renamed the town to Trump, Trump Israel. So I don't get the second coming of Adolf Hitler and exterminate all races but white. I, I don't I don't get this. So anyway, um, yeah, I just want to hear some some more thoughts, from Mr. Singh. And one of the things I do want to you know, move forward with, uh, you know, the other topics, and we, and we can get back to this if you want to spend uh, more time on it, uh, of Nate, if you like. But I want, do want to get uh, where, of course, right now what I'm seeing when it comes to economic options is, you know, on the presidential campaign uh, is you either got between the Green New Deal, and that's, re you know, represented by, by Biden. You have – you know Trump's economy, which you know, I'm, and again, this is something that I've been working with. But I, you know, and I've been talking with people from uh, the LaRouche Pack, and we're talking about how to have an economy that's based off of, you know, basically increasing technologies, you know, such as nuclear fusion, you know, technologies, you know, that way, technologies to the moon and then onto Mars, and because I mean the the return of investment for you know, those type of programs is anywhere from seven to forty dollars per dollar spent or invested, and whether that's you know government investment through taxation taxes or through private you know public private partnerships, which are becoming more uh, more prevalent. And so, you know, that's a type of economy that, whereas again, you know, Trump's not really talking about it. Now he does talk about you know his Artemis program that's going back to the moon and using that as a stepping stone to get to Mars. But that's not like an economy based off of that happening. But we can with increased, again, increased, uh, you know, research, increased, you know, technologies. You know, you mentioned, uh, you, the, you talked about, but one thing you're talking about is, and that's, I think, the only two options. Now, what you're talking about here on these points here, uh, Nate, is that how there could be perhaps um, a combination of, of both, perhaps with a third, which you call the fourth industrial revolution. And uh, one of the things that, you know, I've got some questions on that is that uh, where would the investment for these, these be if you were able to actually have a new Green Deal 
you know, working in tandem with a maybe a space economy and the you know fourth industrial revolution. Uh, you know, where, where would those uh, where would the fun? Let's frankly, where would the funds come from? Sure. Yeah, I think the the future for us uh, would be all three. We cannot just ignore one of those. Um, you know, investment in green technology is going to happen. I mean, a lot of the companies, you know, that you know, in the Silicon Valley, the, the, the tech sector, they've already committed to uh, zero emissions um, for their data centers. So, you know, they're, they're going to be investing. And as you know, in California, you know, all new houses need to have solar panels. So it's, it's already here. If we see uh, wind farms all around us, if you drive to Vegas, you see the world's largest uh, thermo uh, thermo hydro um, uh, solar solar power generation plant, which is the world's biggest. So the, you know the, there is definitely going to be investment in green technology, solar power, uh, cheap uh, you know uh, renewable energy. Um, so that's definitely going to ha- come, and part of it is, you know, a good example is the Ivanhoe uh, solar power plant, which is the world's largest. It's partly funded by government, partly funded by private investors, uh, but other other investments will be a combination of the, you know, it's, it depends on uh, various combination of government investment as well as private funding. Uh, the second one you mentioned, which is the what we call the space economy. That is going to have very little government investment. The reason for that is that the price of sending a kilogram to space is now at a historic low. It used to be 500,000 or maybe 5 million, a big enough number, uh, 500,000 to send a kilogram of uh, of uh, of um, payload to space at the time of the moon mission. Now it's less than $2,000 to send a kilogram. So it's gone down low enough that, you know, it's uh, even private startups, small private startups raise funding and they find a way to send micro satellites into space. So that sector is mature enough. Once you can send your payload up to space, you don't need significant government funding to make, make that happen. And the last one you mentioned is, is, is what we, what's known as the fourth industrial revolution. Uh, Steve Bannon did, did a very good talk on that. And, and really the fourth industrial revolution is, is the, it's a fusion of technology and an exponential growth and exponential innovation in every field. This is basically combining uh, software, uh, microprocessor, uh, Internet of Things, uh, artificial intelligence, robots, uh, drones, you, you, you name it, whatever technology you could think of, putting it all together and making it work together. So there's no, it's, it's not that, you know, because there is no um, inventions required. It's it's just um, you know it, it's something that can be achieved again through private funding through investment uh, by private by private investors. So I think it's uh, you know we, we will see development all in all of these. And I think the the one uh, place where there's you know some government um, investment required would be in the in, in the green technologies. And that's why I think you know Joe Biden is is running with that. Uh, but you will see developments in all three. It's 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 something that's uh, beyond the government it's it's uh, you know the the private sector is already running with this and and but with the with the green new deal here here's the problems i have the green new deal is on the surface supposedly it's supposed to bring in green technologies which i'm all for as i as i mentioned when i spoke to alberto uh today is 
you know, I'm all for green technologies. I'm all for, you know, clean, you know, a cleaner planet. You know, I'm all for that. But the way in which that they want to do it, one, they don't even mention how they're going to pay for it. Uh, I mean, it's going to be trillion. My, my estimate is like nine point, that I've heard is somewhere around nine point six or ninety. I'm sorry, was it like ninety trillion dollars in the next, you know, ten years or something like that for for this? And 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 not only so one, how's it going to be paid for? And two, is that in the Green New Deal they actually have not all about the environment, uh, from my understanding of it. And, tell us your understanding of the Green New Deal is that it's got like social programs in there. So how, I mean, what programs have anything to do with, you know, and again, maybe if we have the the UBI, we won't need these social programs. What is, what what are these, uh, you know, it's a a political manifesto. It's it's not something that will ever pass through a, a, a investment fund or a corporation. It's just it's just political manifest. A lot of it is just conjecture. It's just you know they just make up stuff. They just bundle everything together. As you exactly said, it's like combining green pro green new deal with social programs. I mean, why would you want to do that? I mean, it's just uh, uh, I think it's just a you know, and I'm not really supportive of it because it's as you said, it's a it's a politicians trying to do business and they're not very good at that. Well, yeah, certainly, and so that I mean, and that and that is, I mean, and again, I, I support you know the environment. I mean, I like the you know green conservatism is something that I you know support, and again, that's something coined by Newt Gingrich. Uh, he even wrote a book about it, you know, you know, contract with the earth, uh, which was a program that you know he wanted to start you know, similar to you know contract with America, you know, back when he was speaker, but. I mean, but that's my concern. I mean, Biden. I, I you said it's a manifesto. I believe it's the word you use. Uh, but I think that these people here, really, the Democrat Biden, they they really want to do it. They're not just. This isn't just talk for them. I really don't think this is just talk. I mean, I think they're going to actually try to implement it. You know, what it does to the American economy, be damned. One, because again, I, I don't believe these people really give a damn about you know, about America. And so, you know, America economy be damned, they're gonna just try to do this. And which, you know, just like for the um what was it was either the Paris Accord or the um what was the other treaty that that we we got out of where they weren't even expecting China to even adhere to the tenets of, of the accord until twenty thirty. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, no, I'm, not, I'm, I'm certainly not a big supporter, uh, you know, of that. But at least with, you know, working towards like nuclear fusion, for instance, you know, and you know, creating new jobs, new technologies, uh, with that, uh, then again, the return on investment for the space program is anywhere from seven, and I'd read the other day up up to forty, you know, you know, forty dollars per dollar spent. You would think that'd be the, uh, a much better way to invest our. Um, you know, you know the money both, you know both tax-wise, you know to the government and the public partner, private partnerships. Couldn't get that out. Um, so, let's see. I want to make sure that the, now one one of the things you mentioned, and then we'll open things up, and then we'll see how much more time you'll have for us, is that uh, you're talking about you know a fusion of technologies, um, and you're talking about exponential. Uh, Exponential development. Uh, is that could you touch on uh, those two uh, those two terms for us? The fusion of technologies and the exponential developments. 
Sure, yeah. I mean, the fusion of technology really means is that, you know, you have, uh, let's say you have, you know, a good example is drones with artificial intelligence in, b built into them, or, uh, you know, self-driving cars is another good example. Um, uh, you know the uh, you know things like exoskeletons, so which will be very useful for elderly people. They will be able to use an exoskeleton to walk uh, as, as a normal human being, as a younger human, as a younger younger person. So they have. Uh, so the, these are examples of you know te technology where we don't need a new invention. Nothing new is going to come, but it's just going to be you know putting things together uh, i mean a good example of this was you know like 20 years ago they had uh, electronics uh, in cars uh, you know the the engine management system would control the engine firing so you do, you could probably do it with mechanics but the use of electronics made it a lot more efficient and now you don't it's impossible to fire for buy a car that doesn't have electronics controlling controlling the ignition sequence so in the same way it's it will be fusion of technologies where ai would get into things we least expected you know into into all the small devices uh, connected devices uh, i mean 5g is another good example where you know just imagine you have drones with artificial intelligence high resolution cameras and 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 5g you know super fast connections so that will open up a whole new um, you know a whole new uh, businesses and 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 opportunities that we're not aware of no, I no, certainly appreciate that. I mean, I, you know, that's uh, you, know, you know the questions I think I've got. I really, you know definitely appreciate uh, all of that. Uh, and so, what I like to do, if you're if you're okay, just spend a little bit more time if you can. Is you know we do still have uh, some, some a couple folks, you know, who we got folks on the line, but others who've already chimed in who may want to have some closing questions or comments. Uh, would you have a little bit more time for that? If if, if yes. they have any other questions or comments for you. Oh, great. Yes. I appreciate it. We definitely yeah, thank you for coming on. We cer I certainly uh, conversation interesting, and, and definitely it sounds like we definitely have topics that we could uh, expand on <laughs> in other shows and, and maybe talk about more at length. Just take one of the many topics we've talked about. I'm sure we can expand uh, and spend time on just you know just one of those topics. But let's first I'll go uh, to uh, Dr. Tolbert. Uh, if you have any comments or questions you'd like to, to ask from our guest, and then Kelly. And then I do have other callers. You know, if you want to ask questions, you're welcome to push the one on your number dial. Uh, if you have, um, uh, okay. And then I was gonna. I had a question here from someone in the chat. Some of the interesting names, Flycatch. I wonder where Flycatch came up with the name, but uh, they, they left the chat, so they they had a question. But since they're not here to here to answer, then we may or may not uh, get to that. But we'll see, depending on how much time. Uh, that our guests will, will stay with us. But uh, Dr. Tolbert, you got any other you know, questions or comments you'd like to ask for our guest tonight? Uh, actually, I just want to bring up a subject that people may not be aware of, that Angela Marie Walls and I are running for the president of the United States, and that we're doing it as a no-party affiliated to teach exactly what has been and is being and other individuals that there's a failure of the political parties to understand everything that is being said. And it takes the integration of people like myself, who is no party affiliated, uh, to get out here and bring together these subjects. So using the terminology of global, which we're now using and we're expanding through GoDaddy on our website, 
is a very important thing, but it is not the uniformity of them actually coming together as one nation, but it's the actual integration of the intelligence and knowledge of these countries being able to stimulate the market and transport goods and products between countries. And I think this is the biggest point of the show tonight is that if a country has a product that can be used, it can be integrated into other resources in other countries. And the intelligence and knowledge of one individual in one place can assist and expand upon marketing rather than having it centralized, for an example, where China stole all of your goods, products, and computer data because of our presidents providing information that they shouldn't not have done. So I think the program has to be focused on it's the integration and expansion of global not the political side of one group of individuals under socialism. There was also a comment on the fact that many people are trying to take the word democratic and republic and the uh, vice president and other people put these terminologies together and they should never be put together as a republic under a sovereign uh, state where we vote for our representatives other than a democracy where you vote directly for the uh, leader of that country and then you become under communism. So in closing, I thank you for the time tonight, uh, Robert. Oh, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Cooper. Did you want to, uh, uh, to add anything or comment on that? Uh, I think it's good. It's good. You brought it up. I think it's so, uh, you know, free flow, the, 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 you know, the keys, you know, free flow of ideas and goods and services, people, labor, tourism, uh, family reunion. So definitely we have to uh, manage it, or I'm trying to think of a better word, but it's something that we have to allow while while managing it, monitoring it. We just can't shut shut ourselves out, or no country can shut ourselves out. It's just good. You know, globalization improves the quality of life. Uh, and it's been shown to you know to to um, to be good for the economy of every single country, including including ours. So I think it's good. Uh, but what do we do with it? How do we manage it? That that is the challenge ahead of us. And and that Robert is notation, and that's why we're hitting over uh, hybrid school systems and virtual reality, so that we can teach this more but we're keeping in the network of Christianity and not going outside of other religious groups. Well, I certainly uh, appreciate that, uh, Dr. Cobra. Uh, you know, we'll keep you on the line as we can, uh, or as we do, if you know, for the, the other same topic, but other things will go on the show. But go ahead, Kelly. And then I did have one question that I, I think I missed. Um, so hopefully after Kelly, I'll be able to, to get that one as well. Uh, but it has to do uh, just kind of give you a, uh, a flavor of that. It has to do with the term uh, authentic capitalism. I want to ask you a question uh, referring to that. But go ahead, Kelly. Well, I'm not a fan. You know, drum roll, please. I'm not a fan of capitalism, as in, as in um, lobbyist capitalists that causes the corporation to bend the government for their insane corporate profit. 
I am for a free enterprise system, and so are libertarians. Some of them call themselves anarchist capitalists. That's kind of, but they're thinking free enterprise when they say that. But anarchist free enterprise people. Um, saying I, I really like how you're beginning to change some of your words. Like how do we, how do we protect, uh, facilitate, uh, promote the free flow of ideas? That's a lot better than managing. So that, I, I like that. Solar panels are a big concern. Again, I design houses. Been doing this for oh gosh, oh over ten years now. Is that right? Two thousand? No, twenty years. Anyway, we've seen endless regulations to try to protect the environment and reduce the carbon footprint, and all sorts of things throughout the rural areas. The additional cost for a home, since fire sprinklers were required, two thousand. Uh, I believe it's 13. Um, $70,000. And that's just not my words. That was the building official that sat down and calculated here in the county. Solar panels, they're forcing that to be put on new homes. Um, I'm going to build a house and it's increased the cost by 30%. It's like a tiny home. I've already got a permit for another client. But these things, oh, only $9,500. Really, really, really. Hold on. No, 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 no. That's politician estimate to get it to pass. It's going to cost fifteen, possibly twenty thousand dollars the first in many years, until the free market catches up and gets into the industry and competition brings the price down. But when government through the building code forces forces you to have solar panels on your new home, that violates the libertarian non-aggression principle. I know it'd be nice to have oodles of money coming in to develop more energy, you know, like Solaris and Obama, and that turned into a disaster. Um, it did make some progress towards solar panels, and the more time technology is developed, the less it costs. But I am so in favor of free market and letting the free enterprise system develop all the new technologies, knowing there's going to be a massive market for it cell phones, computers, etc. So I, I just don't see much benefit, except maybe a space program, for the government getting involved in technology. Because another thing that happens with it is that politicians, it's dirty money. The politicians are lined up to get their people into office so that their huge corporation gets the contract to develop a technology. I mean, it's just it's just reeks of corruption, leaks, leaks of collusion. And that's why the free enterprise handling it. Well, if they go under, then it's their problem. If their investors lose money, that's the free market. If the free market benefits people from lots of profit because of a new technology, that's great. Um, so I, I'm just like – I'm kind of scratching my head a little bit. I do appreciate, though, Mr. Singh, that you are trying to help in some ways economically so people have jobs, trade, yes, develop technologies, but jobs – Technology, trade, that's a very good thing. I don't know anybody who would oppose you on that. Um, well, particularly when it comes from the private sector efforts. So anyway, I just thought I'd throw that out. Uh, if you want to clarify, that'd be great. Yes. Yeah, I mean, a good example of this is the airline industry, which after the whole COVID pandemic and the travel restriction is now decimated. Um you know, there's planes on the ground, and it'll probably take two, three years for the airline industry to be back on its uh, pre-COVID levels. 
Uh, however, there's money being given by the government. However, there's um, and and at the same time, there are smaller, leaner airlines that do not have enough lobbying, and they um, they are going out of business. Whereas the big, giant, inefficient airlines that can lobby well are getting government bailouts. So that, in a way, is an example of uh, you know, as you said, you know, crony capitalism or capitalism using lobbyists. It's it's not authentic capitalism because it is an authentic capitalism. You will let the big bloated giant uh, airlines with um, go out of business, and the smaller, leaner uh, airlines would stay, and then they would grow. Um, so, however, the downside of this, as we know, is that it will lead to thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of job losses, and you have people on the street with no money. Uh, so it's 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 you know even though we know it's you know but 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 the pandemic is 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 an exception. However, I'm generally you know again I'm putting on the libertarian hat. I'm generally against government bailing out uh, large corporations because of. Uh, because you know they had they, they 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 didn't save enough for a rainy day or for some other reason. Because you know when government bails out larger corporations who have the lobbyists, it it actually makes it it it's uh, it it um, it makes it difficult for the smaller, leaner, efficient, more efficient uh, or corporations that can can no longer grow. So I think that is a, that is a good example of uh, you know the way we do not have authentic capitalism. Huh. So one of the things I want to, uh, to ask real quick um, is you, know, you talk about what authentic capitalism. Uh, what, what is authentic capitalism? And bringing back real quick, because I did have this last question on the uh, the Green New Deal. You said you not uh, agree with a lot of the tenets of it. Uh, is that why you, know, you don't? Because it does not adhere to what you would consider, you know, authentic capitalism? Well, well, it's 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 you know the green new green new deal is more of a is it more of a political manifesto. So there's a lot of politics, there's a lot of buzzwords, there's a lot of uh, stuff in there that is designed to appeal to a certain group of people. It's not a business plan that you go and take to a private investor and say, hey, give me money to that act so I can do do, do, do so I can uh, do do some good for the community. So it's, it's you know it has to be taken with a grain of salt it's like a politician's word just before the elections right are you gonna just take him on uh take his word are you just gonna believe everything it says uh probably not and that, that in a way a lot of it is you know is is, is the green um new, new you know the green new deal uh, i mean a, a good example if you want to if you if you want to look at a an economist uh, analyzing this is peter schiff he has his peter schiff podcast he also has a libertarian mindset and and this example with the airline suffering after the covid as well as the analysis of the green new deal he does it you know he's got he's got his blog and he does the uh, and he analyzes it very well and he's a trained uh, eco economist and what about authentic capitalism what what what, what is that well, it's 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 uh, it's exactly as I said. It's like you know where the government doesn't support you. you know, just because you, for some reason, your uh, a corporation is about to go bankrupt, the government doesn't step in with with special deals, or government doesn't protect your business, uh, which is which is quite common nowadays. And and I appreciate you again all the all the time you spent with us, and we certainly want to you know have you back on. And again, I'd like to really dig into 
you know, some other things. Uh, the non-political aspects, I mean, because as I stated earlier, and we won't get into it tonight, but there are certainly a lot of the aspects of the Green New Deal that the, you know, the Democrats, Biden, you know, AOC and others, you know, want to get implemented. And so I really like to delve into the economics of that, uh, you know, again, I'll be, you know, perhaps on another show and then maybe get some more details on you know, how a space economy would work. But again, that, that would probably be two different shows, two different times to have you on. But, um, you know, so, but one of the things I want to get back to is kind of bring things back around in full circle uh, is about, you know, your uh, voice of mankind. And so is there anything specific that, two things, one, uh, any specific uh, that you're, you're currently working on uh, with the, the voice of mankind, anything that at this point that the organization is focusing on, uh, that's one. And then two, uh, what, what things about the, the voice of mankind do you want our audience to, to know about, about your organization? Sure, yeah. Uh, the voice of mankind, it's, it's a libertarian leaning think tank uh, that, you know, that helps people make sense of the changing world. Uh, we just uh, have provoked discussion and, and point people in certain directions so that they can, you know, they can talk about it, they can think about it. Uh, a lot of the work that we've done the last couple of months has been mostly around COVID. You know, one of the things I say is that, you know, the, the COVID pandemic was a very good uh, a lesson in history on the of the value of freedom of expression, whistleblower protection, and protecting journalists. Because if journalists in China had 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 uh, had not been harassed and 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 imprisoned, we would have known about the COVID months and months before it happened, and that would have saved millions of lives, trillions of dollars. So this is a good lesson in history of the value of freedom of expression uh, and uh, and and uh, whistleblower rights all over the world. So it's not just us. We have to care about you know these American values all over the world. Well, and it, you know, I find it ironic that the the journalists in in China are actually trying, from my understanding of it, are actually trying to be journalists. Uh, they're actually trying to report the news, and you you know they're being uh, you know and they're being quieted. Whereas you have the media in the United States, which again, in, in my estimation, is frankly, almost a state run, not the state run, because it's not run by the government, but it is, I think it's run by one party uh, in our government, and that's the Democrat Party. I, I, again, I do think they're the uh, the propaganda arm, the media is the propaganda arm uh, of the Democrat Party. I mean, again, you, I mean, I, you just don't have where across the board, uh, you have 94 to 90%, uh, 96% of all coverage of the president is negative. And that's across the board. And, and, and also, regardless of what alphabet channel you change to, and I, I call them the alphabet media, because you know, whether you go to CNN, NSNBC, ABC, CBS, NBC, NPR, uh, regardless of the ones you go to, the same words, the same phrase, phrases, the same narrative, it's all the same. You could flip through all the channels, and they're saying the exact same thing down to the, down to the very words. There's, I mean, and, and, the, and these are the same words that you're seeing being uttered by the by politicians in the Democrat Party. And so, again, you know, I think they're, they push the narrative. That's why I say that you know they're a propaganda arm because it just it just I know that the media is supposed to you know 
you know, you know, keep uh, you know, keep on tabs with the, the president and the government, things of that nature. And, and, and I'm not saying that's not the case. And in your case with COVID, and in China, you know, they're supposed to be, as you said, you know, the whistleblowers and things of that nature. But the point of that is that you can't. I mean, you cannot have again 90, 40, 96 percent of the coverage um, be negative and, and not have a and not be biased. Which I don't even think they're trying to hide their bias anymore. Uh, I think that instead of actually trying to just be, you know, honest reporters and journalists, I think they're just trying to, you know, assist the Democratic Party in pushing their uh, their agenda. Uh, but yeah, definitely um, interested in, you know, in the, uh, you know, in the think tank. Uh, think tanks always were kind of a, a fascinating topic for me. Uh, you know, the uh, pretty interesting there. And I do want to talk more, you know, more about that at some point where, you know. And, and like, in what ways do you help them to, uh, you know, or you know, deal with the, the changing times? I mean, what type of things do you specifically do, you know, to assist people in that? Sure. Yes. Yeah. So one of the topics, as I mentioned, is is um, is the importance of pushing American values all over the world, which is what I define as, you know, right. freedom of expression, um, you know, whistleblower protection, protection for journalists, you know, at least I agree with you, you know, the, the, uh, the media might be biased, but at least a journalist, uh, a journalist anywhere in the world should have the freedom to report on whatever they see and they should not be imprisoned for it. So these are the values. The other well, one uh, I talk about the, uh, I did the last conversation I had, uh, was about uh, def- you know the talk of defund the police and what it means, mm-hmm. and that was with Randy Shusbury, who's the who leads um, um, an organization that works with the LA Police Department to uh, to retrain their the police officers. Um, so it's you know what does you know the, and the talk was all about like what does it mean? What do you mean by defund the police? You know about de- demilitarize the police, or even some people you know they talk about abolish the police. What are they actually trying to say? what is the right thing to do, what can we do to make things better, what we should not do. So, you know, the defund the police was a big topic and I had conversations oh, yeah. about, around that. Um, yeah, so uh, the other one was, uh, you know, what I used to say is the for whom the bell tolls, which was uh, talking about the, you know, the future pandemics because we have the COVID pandemic now, but it's not, it's nobody uh, in the World Health Organization believes that this is the last, you know, they say there's going to be more of these and then of course then it's going to be compounded by the, by the, by the climate crisis. Uh, so there, there is a lot more, uh, you know. It's, we we haven't seen the end of pandemics, you know. That's so we talk talk about that. So I think it's, uh, these are the topics I talk about with the, the public. And you mentioned that, and uh, again, we could. It's very conversational here. Uh, I, I really appreciate it, and this is how the show works. Uh, and so when you meant, you know, the, the the climate crisis is that. One of the things, and I just thought of this, is because I recently heard that Biden, during one of his speeches, was saying that you know the world only has nine years, which I find interesting, that the world only has nine years before this is totally irreversible, and yet China still has until 2030 to do anything about their emissions according to through my understanding of, of, of how the treaties have been or supposed to work, or I don't even know if they're quite treaties, but if they're supposed to have the 2030, and Biden says that we only have nine years to make it irreversible, then why, you know, 
one, China's waiting a year, a year too late, I guess, to do something. But 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 on this year, I say that kind of tongue in cheek. But I mean, I mean, are you guys, are you also of the mind that you know if something's not done in nine years, that you know the the planet is irre, irrevocably damaged? The re- irrevocably uh, damaged. Uh, it's it's it reaches. I mean, in in nine, ten, twelve years, it will reach. I mean, if you ask AOC, she said twelve years. Uh, other people say ten years. Uh, it's it reaches a point where things get really bad. It's just like you know, when when someone becomes sick, how sick do you have to be before you're really sick? Uh, so I think it's you know, it's I think even President Trump agrees. You know, it's it's uh, you know, climate crisis is something that we have to look into. It's you know, not something we can ignore. But the question is, uh, if if we we re-engineer our economy and take on a loss, but nobody else does it, then uh, we we are the ones who are the losers, and 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 any any gains we make are offset by uh, other countries polluting more. So unless it's, uh, exactly. it's everybody agrees to it, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, you economize while I spend the way I, I live my life the way I want to. And that's not what we want to be. Uh, so it's, it's you know, and that, that is the biggest, big, biggest challenge. It's like nobody wants to uh, cut their emission, re-engineer the economy, may even affect the quality of life while everybody else carries on as it is so it's it's uh you know we're all looking at each other who's gonna who, who's gonna do this first who's gonna work with me and 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 sadly there is not much uh, cooperation between countries on this i definitely well, shouldn't that... get the blame what's that i'm sorry i said president trump shouldn't get the blame for this well, he well, but he will, and that's the thing. I mean, they're they're trying to blame they're they're trying to blame Trump for you know all the, you know the deaths. Oh, Trump's got 130,000 American lives on his hands. Forget, you know, forgetting that this is a republic, and actually, what happens is in this what happens within a state is the responsibility of the governor. And so, a lot of I think a lot of people forget that. I mean, and also what people forget is you know, ten days after I think the first case of COVID in the United States, you know, he he he. Uh, you know, ended uh, travel from China, where Biden, I believe, himself, you know, called it a xenophobic move. And we don't have time here for his racism. And then we had, uh, you know, Schiff, who was so busy, and, and Pelosi, who were too busy trying to impeach uh, President Trump uh, instead of paying attention. I mean, we even had uh, Pelosi, if you recall, I think it was February 25th. Uh, 25th, where she was like, oh, yeah, come to Chinatown, everything's okay, and, and Fauci's given mixed, and that's another thing, I mean, Fauci's also given mixed messages, so I, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people want to blame Trump, you know, for if the increases and things opening up too soon and things of that nature, or, or even want to say that, oh, he, he reacted too, too slowly, when even Fauci was given, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to find the right term here, uh, you know, I I said it's something, something chime on my ear, but anyway, I mean, even he had conflicting, conflicting uh, statements. You know, Fauci did so. Uh, for, you know, first, it, oh, it's not a big deal, but then it is, and at first we shouldn't wear masks, and now we should, and it's, it's kind of hard to just like politicians who flip flop, right? I mean, that's one of the things that uh, oh, he ended up becoming Secretary of State and for for Obama. Uh, Kerry, I mean, that was one of the biggest things that, that they had about Kerry was that he was a known flip-flopper, so no one ever thought that they could believe anything he said because he flip-flopped on everything. So but, but so when you're flip-flopping from health organizations, I mean, how can the people really get to the, the test these folks? 
you know, when half of uh, you know, when they keep flip flopping on the, and they keep pushing the goalposts. I mean, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna lock things down until we flatten the curve or give us enough time to get enough ventilators, and they just keep pushing the goalposts. I agree with you, and I think that is what leads to mistrust of the institutions, uh, because people said, you know, hey, because you and I read on the on the uh, CDC website that the masks are recommended, um, and then now it's it's mandatory. So it's uh, you're right. I think it's uh, I, I don't know what the what the root cause is. Why is it that they did not recommend? Maybe they didn't know. Maybe they said you know we don't have enough masks, or maybe there was some political pressure. So it's you know there's definitely been enough disinformation, misinformation, probably uh, intentional or unintentional, and uh, there's been changing goalposts, different the uh, you know conflicting statements, uh, flip flopping. So there's a lot of it going on. Uh, which just makes it harder to pinpoint the blame. Uh, but sadly, as you mentioned, you know, just because of um, the virtue, you know, the 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 responsibility of being a president, you know, Trump will get uh, a lot of the blame of it just the, just because he is the president. Oh, yeah, certainly. And and I think that you know, I, I've been stating, and I'm, I'm I'm saying saying this in the hope that it doesn't happen. But I mean, ever since he's been elected. You know, he's had, you know, impeachment thrown at him. He's had uh, supposed collusion with Russia thrown at him. He's had, uh, you know, other, other, I guess, different, they try to do scandals, you know, uh, with them. I mean, they throw everything. Now COVID, I mean, I'm like, if COVID doesn't work, they, they, get, uh, they get him to not be reelected. I mean, what, what what's next? They're going to try to have a nuclear, you know, bomb go off somewhere and try to, uh, blame Trump for that. I mean, it's uh, God. That'd be a, just uh, more of a disaster. Well, they, but at, at this point, it's like, what else can they throw? What, what else can they throw at President Trump? Well, there's a there's a, a military ship on fire in Los Angeles Harbor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what, what's 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 that report? What's what's caused that? Or, or is it uh, I'm not sure, but there there is a there's a navy ship that's on fire in Los Angeles. I've been trying to put it out, so I'm sure they they're gonna blame someone for that. So see, and that's and that's my point. I mean, they try to blame everything, you know, on the president. Even when you know, again, we're we're a, a republic, and a lot of those response do fall on the governors. And I think a lot of people, you know. Uh, well, and then again, as I said earlier in the show, and the only—that's why I think it's a lot of it's political. I mean, I really do think it's a lot of this COVID thing is, is political and is a ploy to try to keep, you know, Trump from being reelected, because it's, you know, the, the conflicting information. They're trying to blame him. No one's taking into account that, you know, we do have governors, you know, that you know, you know, make a lot of decisions as well. Uh, you know, when it comes to domestic, that's the thing. When it comes to domestic, there's only so much a president actually can do. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Or, or, or it's not even in their purview to to really take care of it. Again, that's a, a lot of it's up to the governors. Sounds good. But I yet agree. again, you know, they're not, but not bringing up California's numbers. They're bringing up all the swing state numbers when it comes to the increases, and not California. The only, you know, the only logical. Uh, thought on that is it's political it's political they're doing it because you know that they want to bring up the, the the cases in the swing states because they're hoping that's going to hurt trump's chance of re-election in those states of, of them going to him i agree um I mean, it's like I said. It, there's a lot of disinformation, fake news going out, and it's, 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 you're right. It's politically motivated, and and, and it would have been completely different if it was year one of Trump presidency. 
Oh, certainly, or or even Obama. I mean, look, I mean, look how long he waited for you know for H one N one. I mean, it's like now I know the administration put something out, but he himself didn't cut you know call it a national emergency until like a thousand people died on six months later. So. Right. Yeah, I agree. You know, th- yeah. Well, I mean, we do. My gosh, I, I told you know what I told uh, um, I've heard us. Uh, you know what we were talking today. You know, I, you know, I was like, I tell it, the, the, the time will go fast. <laughs> well, you're here. Absolutely. Yeah, already... because there's a lot we yeah, there's a lot we covered. You know, from America's foreign policy to politics to the the, the you know the new economic opportunity in terms of the you know the green technology space space economy and uh, the fourth industrial revolution so I think we covered a lot of ground but I'm just conscious of the time not no I have the time I'm just conscious of your time and and your time oh no no well, sir, I appreciate it and we and we still got about you know 50 minutes before I have to close out the show um, but one thing I want to um I mean, so, I mean, you know, because, because you know, it said, you know, it's going to be anywhere between, um, you know, half hour, hour that you'd be with us. It's been, you know, an hour and a half. So I do want to be respectful of your time as well. Um, and so, I mean, if, if you have to, you know, call it a night, uh, it's a lot earlier there than here. I certainly understand that. But, of course, if you still want to go and speak of some other things, uh, you're certainly welcome to stay. I mean, at, at this point, I'll leave that up to you. I can stay uh, on. I really appreciate your time. You can stay on? Okay, great. I can. Well, then. Well, then uh, what I got here, this is just a very short audio clip. And because one of the things you're probably aware of, and everyone in the States now, is that they're, they're pushing us to wear masks. You know, I mean, I'm, I know I've been railing against it myself, to be honest, um, about well, wearing masks and they want us to look like China and stuff like that, <laughs> uh, about wearing masks. Because, you know, when you look at pictures from China, it seems like even before COVID, everybody was wearing a mask. That's because their pollution was so bad there. Uh, but I have been, you know, I, I don't have an audio for this, but you know, well, I did see uh, a video where, you know, they were putting a, a meter testing the carbon. I said uh, carbon monoxide in the last show, and I want to make a correction on that. It was carbon dioxide is what they were measuring. Um, and so, you know, the, the carbon dioxide measuring, you know, in the mask was, of course, greater. Uh, and this was the mask on a kid, and, and I think that's relevant because they're talking about kids going back to school. But uh, I still got an audio here from the Bard's Logic website, which, you know what, I haven't mentioned the website all night, and that's www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Uh, go to the uh, newsroom, and that's where you can find the, the articles and audio. We're not, we don't have a lot of uh, audio from the website tonight, but uh, yeah, some pictures and some audio there uh, for, from tonight's show. Uh, you know, the Carlson and Hume discussion of the future elections as well as that I played at the very beginning of the show, and then this one. And this is uh, this one's actually a guy who was testing the oxygen levels uh, from people. Now, uh, it's a very short clip, so I won't uh, turn off anyone's mics so we can keep the, the, the noise down. Uh, everyone's been great with that, so I'm not really worried about it. But th- this guy was doing a little, a little test about testing the oxygen underneath a mask. I'm going to do a little test here today. A lot of people are uh, saying they're getting headaches and stuff and wearing a mask that they're requiring us to wear pretty much everywhere we go. Uh, And I'm going to test oxygen level under a mask using an OSHA-approved air quality monitor that tests for oxygen levels, hazardous gas levels, LEL, CO, NH3, H2S, stuff like that. 
He's pretty much getting things set up there. This monitor is bump tested every day. Uh, it's calibrated every 30 days. OSHA requires 19.5% oxygen to work in a space. Look it up. Yeah, just setting things up there. Uh, normal oxygen levels is anywhere from 20 to 21, right in that area. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little test here. I'm gonna put the sampling tube at the corner of my mouth, and I'm not exerted. I'm just standing here. So we're gonna put it right here. That's going straight to the air quality monitor. And we'll see what the oxygen level is. So I've got 20.5. Okay, 20.6. Toes in the same spot. You can hear the alarm going off. That means that there is a hazardous atmosphere. And we'll see what the uh, levels are. 17.4. Seventeen point five, it's starting to go back up. Okay. It's gonna clear at nineteen point five. So see, so what he's uh, doing there is doing a little oxygen test. You know, again, we know what the composition of oxygen in our atmosphere is. Uh OSHA states that an environment has to have at least nineteen point five. Uh and when he wasn't wearing the mask, that's how much the oxygen level was. But when he was wearing a mask, it was uh, 17.5 or something of that nature percent in which he was, you know, that's, what, that's when you heard the beeps, the annoying beeps uh, there. So I just find it interesting because, you know, the debate is going on is, you know, should we have kids go to school? They should. Uh, then, you know, should they wear masks? You know, which I don't think they should. For this very reason, I mean, I, I mean, people standing, uh, you know, it's kind of the rock and a hard place, right, because we, we have to get the – uh, you know, we, we have to get you know, the economy going. I mean, I know there are people dying. I mean, I mean, there were, you know, our, our governor just came on and was talking about, you know, where we're at and maybe you know, have to back up some things. But it's like, well, there's like, uh, basically what the percentage came down to, I don't, you know, was that 0. 0.06 or 0. 0.6, so a little over half percent of the population of Ohio has tested positive, not died from, uh, has tested positive of COVID. Um, and so they're talking about, so, but, but here's my problem I get. As, as let's say 1%, here's what I don't understand. I mean, if I know people are, are dying from COVID, and I'd like to get the, your input, uh, uh, I needed it, and then Kelly, is that, yes, you have had 130,000 people die from this so far. And you have 30, what they say, 30 million people out of work. I mean, that's going to affect people, too, in real economic and real life-threatening ways. I mean, as I said earlier in the show, and I don't know if, if you were uh, on the line of Nate when, we did, when, I, when I brought this up, is that I, I, they've been political, I think they politi even politicized COVID in, one, in the way that to get the, their agenda passed. Because two things: one, then that's what you know. Then people ha can't get to work, and one of the things they're already decrying is people are losing their health care. 
So that, that, that's going to hurt the health of people by being out of – and we're talking 30 million people. Now, not all of them are going to lose their health care, but a lot of them are going to. And so you have all these people who – I'm sure over 130,000 people, and I'll be honest, I don't have the statistics, who I'm just using you know, what I would think common sense and logic would be, is that you have 30 million people out of work. I'm sure, you know, more than 130,000 of them are going to lose their health insurance. And so what, what do, what's one of the things that, you know, the Democrat Party has been touting for, for decades? Universal health care. People aren't working, and they need health insurance. Oh, well, now we're showing a need for universal health care. We, we have to have universal health care because of COVID. Or if we do allow kids to go back to school, Right or sort of have to stay home. We don't let them go back to school. They stay home, and, and if we want the parents to be able to go to work, well then well now we need universal daycare, and that's been a that's been a favorite topic of theirs. We need to have you you know so it's they're, they're using it to get their agenda done. Oh, well, this, see this just shows why we need universal health care. This just shows why we need to get universal uh, child care. You know, you know the people. I, I, they are, I think when, when they say two things. One. You know, don't let, you know, a crisis go to waste. I mean, Hillary Clinton said that. You don't let a crisis go to waste, which isn't that like Alinsky, you know, who was a communist or whatever. And then also you have Biden who say, and, and, and remember, Obama said this too. And then I'm going to leave it, then I'll bring it over to you, Avi, uh, is that they're saying, look, if I get elected, I want to fundamentally transform America. Would tra- fundamentally transform America into what? I think they want to turn the America into a socialist country. I do. Not, I, you know, I, I know a lot of people do. But that's what I think, and the reason is because of universal health care, universal daycare. You know, they want to give amnesty to 22 million illegal immigrants. And the reason why they want to do that, and I've said this for a long time, is they want to build themselves a, a new constituency. And how long, how long, Kelly, have I been – I'm going to bring it to Daphne first. But, how, I mean, how, Kelly, you know, that you've been a panelist for a while. Have I been bringing that up, that the reason why they want to give amnesty to 22 million is they want to build themselves a new constituency, you know, because they want to get themselves voted into power and perpetuity. You know, they also want to try to make you, you know, and we heard this on our, our audio earlier in the show, where they want to make Washington, D.C. a state. Which, why? Well, of course we know why. That's going to get the Democrats two more senators <laughs> because they know it's going to, they know it's going to be de- you know it's going to be a Democrat and it's going to also give them more ha- you know the House of Representatives. But anyway, so that, that's my take on the on the politiz- uh, politicization um, just in those two uh, those two areas. Uh, Evnid, I mean, well, what's your thoughts on that? Am, am I, am yeah, I, 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 I agree. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, let's 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 go backwards. So I agree. You know, the talk of you know turning Washington D.C. into uh, a, a, a state. It's again, it's you know, you get two more, uh, you know, you get two more senators. So it's it's all good. I mean, you know, it's it's you know, they're political parties. That's their job is to how to get how to make political capital out of every opportunity, uh, every crisis. So that's that's they just doing their job. I mean, it's. Uh, um, whether it's justified or whether it's good, I mean that that's a different discussion. But that's what that's what they're doing exactly what they do. 
so the second point I, I really want uh, to talk about is is the uh, the universal health care. I think it's you know uh, I've been in in USA for maybe 15 years, uh, and there was less of a talk of universal health care 20 years ago. Relatively, it's it's at a fever pitch now, and I think what's really driving it is because the cost of um, the cost of uh, healthcare went up so high, and it wasn't that good. I mean, if you look at the numbers, I mean, depending on which numbers you look at, but the numbers I looked at really seem to suggest that it's 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 the most expensive, but also not very good, even amongst the developed nations. And that is what's driving it. It's you know, it's a uh, and and I fear or I hope or uh, you know, depend. It's a little bit of both. That universal healthcare will come in our lifetime uh, it's something that's just inevitable real quick i hope it's not inevitable right. okay, i'll tell you why one right. this is Go america ahead. we should have a, this, this is america we should have a choice if you want to get on a government system if it's affordable and it's not going to bankrupt us if it's not mandated or you're going to have to pay a special tax if you don't have have coverage i don't think you should have to be taxed if you don't have coverage that was in obamacare Trump got rid of it Okay, and I personally know someone who didn't have health care, didn't get Obamacare, and they were going to get taxed like $1,500 because they didn't. Secondly is, again, well, that's the first thing. We're American. We should have choices. Secondly, I know someone who had to pay a mandatory – almost had to pay a mandatory tax. Luckily, Trump got elected, and he rescinded that as one of the first things he did when he got in. Three is I don't want, I don't want my, my – uh, my employer-sponsored health care to go away. You, you say it's expensive. Let me tell you something. My wife and daughter are both covered with good health care, and my wife pays $22 a week. I, my, my daughter, over the past four years, have had some health problems. And then, yeah, and then five years ago, she was in the hospital for two weeks. I seen the insurance company write a check for one check of her two-week stay in the hospital, a $56,000 check. And let me tell you something. It was good care. They didn't, I didn't feel rushed getting her out of the hospital. Last year, when she had, she had to stay a couple days, uh, she had to have surgery last year, and she had to stay a couple more days for recovery. I never felt rushed to get her out. They're like, we're like, yeah, she should probably stay a few days because of this and this. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, we should do that. And let me tell you something. If it wasn't for that health care, if it was not for our employer-sponsored health care that she got, you know, that, that she has, I'd be bankrupt. I'd be bankrupt right now if it wasn't for that. I wouldn't have it. And frankly, as you, as you pointed out earlier, when the government runs anything, a lot of times they don't do a very good job of it. I think you even mentioned, you know, alluded to that tonight. So could you imagine if the government ran our health care system? I mean, hell, they're running Social Security into the ground. If they can't, you know, if, if they can't keep afloat Social Security, which I've been paying, on, paying in since I was 14 years old, so I've been paying in this for, for decades, and which I may not even get Social Security by the time, you know, that I retire, or if so, I'm not going to get as much as I put into it of my money that I put in that they've used and, and, and invested and got money, money from them, from, from the money that they got in. And so if they can't keep Social Security solvent, 
if these local governments and, and maybe the universal health care, whether it be run by, you know, by the states with the oversight of the federal government, look at the state pensions. Look how underfunded the state pensions are and, and the mess the, the state pensions are. Why, I mean, that's why a lot of these, uh, you know, a lot of states are like, oh, they want to get, you know, like like Illinois with their state pension. Why they want to get all this, you know, government money to help bail them out because their their pension, public pension plans are in such disarray and, uh, and underfunded. So if they can't handle, you know, if the government can't handle, you know, keeping Social Security solvent, and if the state can't keep their, you know, public pension solvent, then what the hell makes us think that they're going to be able to keep a health care system solvent? I agree with you. I mean, that's what I mean by the, you know, the fear that it's it's going to come. Uh, but in a way, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a similar example is with rent control in San Francisco, where the government put in rent control and actually reduced the quality of the housing. And it also increased, increased the prices. I mean, this is, again, well documented by several think tanks. And another example is with the, the, with the education, where the government stepped in and they, and they documented that the, the government stepped in and they lowered the quality and they increased the prices. So I'm, I'm, I, I'm with you. It's, it's, you know, it's a, a uni, with universal health care. It's, it's going to make, probably make it expensive uh, inc- and, and lower the quality, but, uh, but it'll just be Why would you want it for... then? That's what I don't understand. I mean, you said you hope it comes to America. The, the, the reason is because, the, because you know, as, as you just said, you know, 30 million people who are unemployed, a lot of them uh, will lose their employer health, uh, employed, employer covered insurance. They will be, uh, uh, they will be um, uninsured and they are large enough um you know, group of voters, and and the one way you can get them on your side is through giving them universal health care. It's it's not about but why should I... good or bad. It's 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 more along the lines of something that's almost inevitable. But I, I get your point. It's like but, you know, yeah, but, yeah. Why people... should I lose? Yeah, well, why should I lose my why should I lose my health care that I like because because of that? I should be something else. There should be some out there, but there's politicians who were saying, like, like remember, um, oh, what's her name? Uh, you know, ba- ba- I can't remember her name because, uh, <laughs> I mean, Trump called her Pocahontas, but I can't remember. Uh, Warren, Elizabeth Warren, Elizabeth Warren. and yes. Elizabeth Warren, and she's like, oh no, no, you're, no, we're going to take away your health care. Really? You're going to take away my private health care? I, I think there's, in part, I think in theory. Ebony, I think in theory, universal health care could be a good idea, but I think in practice, especially if it puts everyone on it and you don't have a choice, two, again, it's against freedom, freedom, it's against freedom, two, people who have great health care, frankly, like myself, okay, or, you know, my daughter, my wife, they got great health care. They shouldn't have that taken away for, as you put it, and I agree with that, more costly and, and, and not as good of care. That's ridiculous. So we, no, uh, I, that's why people say that's why people say socialism just brings things down for everybody. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think that's you know I, I agree with you, but from what I 
uh, um, I, I know it it was you know you would still have your employer based uh, employer per, per funded in insurance and that'll be on top of you know the absolute basic universal health care that gives you it's the same model that they have in in in, in Europe in Canada it's like you know you get the universal health care but if your employer can give you better health care on top of it so I think it's you know I agree with you it's you know if if it's, if we just one universe, one single system, and one standard of healthcare for everyone. That just wouldn't work because, you know, as you said, it's Sing, like people single payer want to have system. That's choice. what they. That's what they want. Right. Yeah, they want single payer. Yeah, like like people like Biden, people like uh, Hillary Clinton, people you know like AOC, you know, you know people like Elizabeth Warren. They want a single payer system. That that's the system I'm concerned about. I'm not concerned about, you know, an Obamacare-like thing. The thing, the biggest thing I didn't like about Obamacare was if it brought up taxes and then people not getting good care and then people being mandated to have health insurance. That's what I didn't like about Obamacare. I think there should be something available for people even with pre-existing conditions. But my, my, that's the thing I'm concerned about with when, because a lot of folks they equate universal health care with a single-payer system. I mean that. The way the Democrats want it is they want universal health care to be a segue into a single-payer system. They want it to be where the government is pretty much has control of the health care system. Yeah, I'd be surprised if they do that. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, that that would be a truly bad idea. <laughs> I, I, would, never I, I agree. It would be a truly bad idea. But, but that just way, wouldn't be acceptable. They, I mean, they it's, said it's, it. uh, right. Right. I mean, that just wouldn't be culturally acceptable to say, you know, to to the whole country that everybody's on the same uh, system. It's like telling everyone everybody drives the same car or lives in the same cookie cutter houses. That just wouldn't fly. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I think it's a lot of it just to get political mileage. I'm not sure. I mean, if that what you said is true, that's that that is definitely very worrying. Well, I'm just taking them at their word because I've heard them say it. As I said, and I'm going to bring it over to Kelly here, is that uh, you know, I've, been, I've been following this since I was 10. I'm not going to say how old I am again. <laughs> but, um, but I've been following this for decades, and I've heard them say that, oh, yeah, Warren, and then I've heard, you know, yes, we eventually want to get to a single-payer system. That's Hillary Clinton. You know, and so they, they, they want this to happen. They want it to happen. Um, and, and, and again, I think that's one of the ways we're using COVID. But um, I'm going to uh, step off the mic, so to speak, here and bring it over to you, Kelly. Go ahead. Well, hey, uh, yeah, the uh, wonderful care for your daughter, and you've told us before about your daughter's care, $56,000 trip uh, check for a few days in the hospital. You know, that's really they're there when you need them. And what's happened, obviously, with your situation is a bunch of people got together and they said, okay, I want to go ahead and pay insurance. In some in some ways, it's a form of socialism because insurance companies get more money in every month than they than they pay out, but it's voluntary in a group of, or a collective of people. Hey, I totally support you. Want to do that? That's free enterprise. There you go. Shouldn't be forced. Should not be forced, but um, there is one, something I would like to see, healthcare reform. And uh, because of our litigious society and or the attorneys who want to make big bucks off of what have you, there's got to be um, some type of reform so that the lawyers lawyers are jacking up the price of health care. It's just another element to the whole thing. 
um, when the government takes over health care, we just know, I mean, come on, it's going to be a disaster. People are going to be unmotivated. I mean, there's doctors and nurses that were quitting. They were quitting um, because of Obamacare. And I had a conversation. My sister's a nurse. My brother's a doctor. Around the, in the kitchen, standing up one morning. After Christmas, everybody had pretty much taken off, and we are talking about all the paperwork we do. As a nurse, she was spending half of her time doing paperwork. My brother was like a third of her a third of his time, or it's just all paperwork, paperwork, unbelievable paperwork. And so why are they doing paperwork? Because they're protecting themselves against the lawsuits of an attorney. Luckily, my sister, neither my sister, my brother, nor myself have ever been sued um, for professional. I mean, it's like, so what do you, you know, um, there's got to be some type of reform. And then, of course, if corporations run hospitals, they, they could run them up too. And so, you know, there is government entities that do regulate uh, hospital corporations and hospital practices. So I think that's good because one of the primary functions of government is to protect people from people. So, yeah, there's that. I want to kind of get into the masks too. You know, this, this COVID, I mean, it's going to, the long-term effects are going to be pretty frightening as far as what this is going to do to our economy. Um, so, I don't know, did you want to go over to masks or what? what, what uh, That's okay. Ask your guest, go ahead. Yeah, I can I can talk briefly about the long term effects of the economy. And as you as you rightly mentioned, uh, there is going to be uh, you know long term effects, and there's going to be permanent changes as well. I think one of the one of the uh, things that psychologists say that if you want to change your behavior, you do something for two months, and then your whole behavior changes. And that's, I think we've been in COVID for almost four months now. So a lot of our behavior has changed, and we will not be going back. I mean, good examples of this is that, you know, the travel could be permanently depressed. Um, you know, there's, 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 there's definitely lots of changes coming in. People aren't going to go out that much. Uh, there is going to be less social interactions. So it's uh, definitely going to be long-term changes to the to to our uh, social, our behavior, and our culture, um, and 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 then also it's you know the long the economy is going to take definitely years for it to recover. Uh, however, in the meantime, as as the World Health Organization also said that you know you're likely to see more pandemics and you're likely to see worsening effect from the climate crisis. So all of this put together, it's it's gonna have um, you know the 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 consequences of the pandemic will actually be worse than the virus itself. I'm glad you brought that up. I really am. Then if <laughs> you know that you know. Everyone on the on the panel, everyone listening to the show, I don't care if it's in the United States or if you're one of our international listeners. I know you have at once seen a commercial on TV about some kind of medication, and then, oh my gosh, this medication can take care of this, this medication can take care of that. Then it comes to the side effects, and you hear all the different side effects this medication could possibly do. And then you're thinking – Wow, do I really want to take this medicine? So, so many side effects are worse, than, are worse than the condition that we're trying 
you know, we're, we're, I'm trying to, you know, take care of. I'm, I'm trying, you know. So I'm like, okay, so I'm taking this pill to, you know, take care of this, this condition or what have you. But some of the side effects are worse than the condition itself. So why are you doing it? That's why I don't understand if in Ohio, I'm just going to, you know, because that's the numbers I've seen most recently, 0.6% of the population of Ohio has been tested positive for COVID. 0.6% of the population. Why are we destroying our economy? Just in Ohio. Why would we destroy our economy so that half a percent of the population doesn't get COVID? I mean, seriously, why? You know? I mean, even yeah. we, I mean, this time in history, even with the the Spanish flu, right? What some people were, you know, uh, who were comparing this to, we didn't shut down the economy. We did, did we shut down the economy during the Great Depression? No. Did we shut down the economy during World War One? No. World War Two? No. Oh, let's go back to the let's go back to the Civil War. No. Oh, let's go even far, far back. Did we shut down the economy because of the, the the War of Independence? No. This is the first time we have ever shut down the economy. Why? Why now? I don't know. I yeah, don't know if there's a, enough people asking that. That that's a trillion-dollar question. I agree. It's a very good question with such a small number of people. But I think it just could be. You know, it's a nobody wants to be responsible for any deaths that occur you know let's say you know the a governor or, or a mayor announced that they're going to open the city and a thousand people die they're just going to blame him for it uh, so that that could That's be true. a reason but you're right but what you're asking is 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 honest it's a trillion dollar question because the long term the, the the depression and the economy it's going to be worse than the well it's already probably grew worse than the great recession but it's the you know the knock-on effects the effects on on people's uh, mental health uh, families that have been separated across borders um um, you know the the, so, the social consequences and the economic consequences, all of them put together, it's going to be much much worse than than okay. the virus itself. The, the, let me let, the, let me say this: we're in, we're in a spot in the show, uh, Evne, where we call this Bard's Logic after dark. So it's in the it's in the third hour, it's in the last hour. For uh, for me, it's after midnight. You know, so we, we get a little looser in this part of the show. So. I say this not to offend anyone, okay, especially our guests. But what it sounds like to me is our politicians need to get some balls, <laughs> you know, because it's like oh, he's like my French. But you know, but but seriously, and, and I I get that. Oh my gosh, I don't want to be a pariah. I don't want to see be the the you know. I don't want to be seen as you know. And that's another reason why I think this is political. Well, I don't want to be seen as. You know, the person caused all these deaths. One is, yeah, that's political. I don't want to be seen as that. Two is that, then you know what? Why don't you start comparing the numbers of people who are dying from suicides from from lack of being able to take care of their children? Let's keep let's keep track of the number of people who are now who are now you know addicted to drugs and are, are going to be, or die from drug overdoses because they just can't handle the, 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 the pressures. Let's start comparing those numbers and saying, look. Okay, yeah, you're 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 not allowing, you know, you know, let's say for a president, you're not okay. You're worried about 130,000 people dying from COVID, 
But what about the you know 260 people who are who, you know thousand people who are going to die of malnutrition, who are going to die because they didn't get to the doctors, who are going to die because they didn't get treatments that they were supposed to get, who are going to die because they killed themselves because of the depression and the anxiety that's a cause. So are you are you are you going to you know let the deaths of 260,000 people? Are you going to allow to, the deaths of 260,000 people because of 130,000? It doesn't start comparing those numbers. I think the reason they're not comparing those numbers is it's got. I mean, it's got to be political. Why are they not comparing and showing the? We've heard this term. I know you've, everyone here has heard it. At least all the people on the panel here is. What about the collateral damage? It's the collateral damage. Why are we not talking? We we're talking about the unemployment rate. We're talking about. You know how many people are losing their insurance, but the thing—I mean—but seriously, there's—it's getting peripheral talk. People are just ah, they're just saying it as an afterthought. Let's focus on that. Let's focus. And as you're pointing out, Evne, maybe this could be part of your—you know—certainly I'm not telling you how to run your organization. Certainly, I wouldn't be that at all. But maybe part of the conversation, if I can make a suggestion, when you talk to people, is hey, look. We need to dis- we need to consider what the collateral damage of the, of this pandemic is, as you stated. I, again, I'm not telling you anything you you, you, not, you didn't already state. The cure is going to be worse than the disease. Absolutely. So why in Absolutely. the heck, you know, so why are we doing this if it's not political? Hey, Robert. We need to really put it. We need to really to put out there in the media, but they will know they won't really report it. You know, all the collateral damage. Go ahead. I'll get off my soapbox. It just, you know, I, I do like to see things in a, in a, in a, in a non-emotional manner. But this is like, it, it's it's illogic. The illogic of what we're dealing with, Ebony, is just it's it's it's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's, it's a, it is believable. It's just incredible. Go ahead, go ahead, Kelly. Well, first, Ebony, yeah, let there's... respond, and then go ahead, Kelly. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you know, it's, uh, you know, keep in mind, so the economy is going to be depressed. You know, we're going to have shutdowns for almost six months now, it seems like it, you know, probably another two months. Uh, but also keep in mind, you know, the the, the CARES Act, the Stimulus Act that gave $750 billion to Wall Street and another $2.2 trillion to, um, to, to the local governments, to small businesses, to individuals. So all of that money, it's, it's almost three or four trillion dollars. All of mm-hmm. that money has to be paid back to the government in one form or the other. There's going to be inflation or higher taxes, stealth taxes, or reduction government programs. Because you know, when government gives away four trillion dollars, they they want it back. Otherwise, you know, uh, and it's not free money because if it was free money. Uh, we, why, why stop at four trillion? Why not give, let's give out forty trillion? So the four trillion dollar that the government gave gave out in form of various handouts, all of that have we have to give back in the next few years. Uh, in a while while having a depressed economy, while having social and cultural and mental health problems. So I think the problem just compound each other, and and the longer we leave it, the longer we have these lockdowns and quarantines, the the worse it gets. So it's 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 not just it's it's not as it's it's not as bad as what you described. Is exactly much worse. Well, see, and that there you go, and that is what needs to get out to the people. That is what needs to, you know, when you're, you know, when voice of mankind. <laughs> 
because I have a feeling this is happening more than just the United States. But I think it's happening more here than other places. Um, but that's what needs to get out to the people. I, I, I don't know how, and I'll be frank with you, I don't know how we can get this out. Because the mainstream media, quote-unquote mainstream quote media, they're just not going to discuss this. And, and why you're not hearing it come from the alternative media more than what we are, I don't know. But this is what we got to focus on. We are so focused on, oh my gosh, people, you know, people opened up bars and restaurants and going to beaches and having, you know, socializing, and now COVID cases. Instead of having that conversation, let's knock things back down. We need to get out to, you know, talk, you'd be talking massively on, you know, on this topic. Go ahead, Kelly. Did you mean me or did you mean uh, Kelly? Yes. Oh, okay. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. Well, let me let me throw out let me throw out some things in the style of a Tom Clancy novel or a John Grisham legal thriller. All right. Let's just look at some possibilities, okay? First of all, in blue states, federal grand juries are not meeting, or they're meeting less, which means what? You can't put people, you can't arrest people. Why can't you arrest people for federal crimes? The Fifth Amendment, no person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless under presentment or indictment by a grand jury. No indictment, you're not to be held to account. It's simple, you can get away with murder. Ted Kennedy did with Chappaquiddick. The judge sealed the evidence, prosecuted for the grand jury in Massachusetts. Hey, uh, you can't uh, issue an indictment because the judge sealed the evidence. So Ted Kennedy got away with murder. So in in a a Tom Clancy um, novel, you would also have uh, characters uh, of the deep state that are scared as can be, scared, 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 scared. You know, like the Maxwell, the recent, recent Maxwell and the pedophile rings and all that. Okay, so and, and she's singing like Canary or so I hear. So these people are scared. Well, how do you stop it? Well, you make sure the grand juries don't meet. Okay. And another thing you do is you make sure Berman stays in office. Who's Berman? He's the AUSA or attorney for the United States of America. He's a prosecutor in the second district of New York, which is the southern district, which is basically uh, New York. And in his under his control, because the top prosecutor for the Justice Department basically runs each division, each each district, things before a grand jury or not. Again, no evidence, no indictment, not to be held to account. 2018, he got the Joe Biden Ukraine situation, and he sat on it. Berman did sat on it, sat on it, sat on it. Then you also have in the second district, you have the Clinton Foundation, and you have. Anthony Weiner. And so what happened to Berman? He's gone. On June 20th, um, he found out through through the press that Attorney General Bob Barr had fired him. So he calls up, what's going on here? He said, well, you're fired. You need to leave. I'm not leaving until I get a letter from President Trump. And Congress has authorized the president to fire any prosecutor. And so within when he says, I'm not leaving until I get a letter from Trump, guess what? Bob Barr got a letter from Trump. 20 minutes later, sent it over to the Justice, uh, Justice Department in the 2nd District of New York. And <clears throat> guess what? Security guards went to Berman, went to Berman, and they said, you're out right now. You need to leave the building. We're escorting you out of the building. Don't even come back. Don't let the door 
get your ass on the way out. And then pretty soon we had the Maxwell indictment and arrest. Isn't that a little bit fascinating? Isn't that fascinating? So what else in this Tom Clancy fictional strange world that we're in? Um, let's see. The Chinese can print counterfeit ballots, mail them in. And Oh, wait, wait, wait. If China is for Russia, I'm sorry, if Russia, if Russia, 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 Russia is for Trump and China is for Biden, they can both counterfeit and maybe, maybe, just maybe, in this strange, wacky world, may the best nation win in electing our president. Um, <laughs> kind of joking around. But the uh, the virus will be over on November 4th. You know that, don't you? Yeah, it's all going to be, yeah, this will all be done November 4th. Yeah, this will all be done November 4th, no matter what. <laughs> yeah, so on November, yeah, if Trump, if Trump uh, loses the election on November 4th, the uh, corona lockdown is over. So if you're, um, let's say, Dershowitz, who um, supposedly was a big constitutional lawyer, but he's also, uh, there's starting to be some fingers pointing at him big time for this weird deep state stuff he's been doing. All of a sudden, he's saying, "Oh yeah, the government. Yeah, it is constitutional to put them, and the, the government can tell you to put a mask on." Okay, okay, really. Now that's fascinating because maybe, maybe just Dershowitz is deep state and he's a criminal, and he'll say anything to make sure he doesn't go to jail. So this is getting a little bit freaky. So there's just absolutely bizarre stuff going on here. So what we do is we have the public scare each other with masks. Yes. Everybody's scaring each other with masks. Where I live, not many people wear them because we're more freedom-minded than uh, the rest of California. So, but I did want to write some, uh, tell you, I'm, I'm being a civil engineer, I work with water filtration and particle separation with micron filters, etc. I want to uh, read something I'm working on. Okay. Um, Kelly, in '95, we got about. Tell it real quick. We only get about ten minutes for us to shut things down for the show. Unbelievably, I wish we had a, another hour, but kill it. <laughs> well, I'm going to get through this as quick as I can. And uh, so the N95 mask material works very well to screen out 0.3 microns or larger particles. N95 gets the 95 from 95 percent filtration of particles larger than 0.3 microns. This means 5% get through. It takes 1,000 microns to make millimeter. So take your, take your razor blade and cut your millimeter 1,000 times, and you'd have a micron. Okay. The virus is much smaller than 0.3 microns. Objectively, yes. The masks keep mucus, phlegm, and other bodily discharges from spreading to others. However, have you ever steamed up your glasses while wearing your mask? This means you have about a 1% Mill, uh, I know I have. <laughs> well, yeah, you have about a one millimeter gap between your skin and the edge of your mask. That is, again, a thousand micron gap. Now, even if you have only a hundred micron gap or a tenth of a millimeter, which is well over 10 times the size of the COVID-19 virus, the virus will get out to others. That is between your skin and, and the edge of the mask. So if you are infected, the viruses are getting out to the public you know, in your, in your breath. So in water treatment, we call filtration problems as breakthrough or short circuiting, short circuiting is where dirty water goes around the filter media. What it means to me is that the mask only prevent phlegm, which has large amounts of virus 
but hundreds of viruses connected to water droplets or water vapor from your moist breath are still getting out to the public. And, uh, you know, maybe one or two with every breath, but it's going about. Now, ask any health hazard, hazmat, hazardous material. Ask any hazmat health and safety officer about a fit test where water vapor is proven to not exit around a professional-grade mask. A professional-grade mask would be like plastic or rubber that is fit-tested to prove no short-circuiting occurs. I've actually had this done where I, you put the moon gear on, you get the plastic slash rubber, parts of rubber, parts of plastic, and it's a fit test, and nothing gets in or out but through the filters. So um, the conclusion here, if, if one is infected, masks are a fault sense of security for others and still spread viruses. Six feet, social distancing, also means nothing as water vapors carrying a virus or dozens of viruses is carried up, down, and all over by the movements of air, say a fan, air conditioning, HVAC systems, or even a breeze. Unless you have a high-cost mask, like a plastic rubber professional grade, um, that actually passes a fit test to your skin, any other mask do very little to stop the spread of a virus. Trace amounts of virus are spreading, and theoretically, it only takes one single virus to infect you. So with my technical knowledge on filtration, I have to ask, what is going on here? Well, you are the... Uh the the expert the engineer on that <laughs> but I'll leave that over to you Evni go ahead uh, good question I mean this is why we had institutions in place we had you know the the CDC and other institutions in place they are the ones who are supposed to advise us do the test and tell us you know what works what doesn't work what is effective what is ineffective uh, and 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 we don't and and we get you know conflicting information. We get disinformation, and we get political interference. So there's a lot going on, and it's just hard to get uh, authentic information like the one you just shared with us. So I think it's uh, it's you know because most of us don't have the training or the background to figure this out. Uh, so a lot of people are just in the dark. You know, you tell them wear a mask, they wear it. They don't wear a mask, they don't wear it. Uh, you know, stay indoors. They'll stay indoors. Don't go out, and and then they can go out. So it's it's just you know there's a lot of confusion, which in a way adds to mistrust of governments. Uh, but I think it's that it's, that's exactly you know the information you shared is exactly the kind of information that should have been shared with us from day one. Yeah, the upfront information. Hey, look, we're we're currently researching it, but we can take precautions until we. At least be upfront about way hey, we we have to do a bunch of studies and other things and da, 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 da. just be upfront about that instead of saying sternly oh this and then a while later oh that and then and, and doctors disagree. Surgeon General Adams, he's a really neat guy, and he said, very early on he said masks don't help you. In fact, you could get you could get infected with masks because you're constantly readjusting with your hands. Now if the virus is on a surface and your hand touches that virus, you're actually bringing the virus closer to your face. And then with short-circuiting, as I described, the, the little gap, it can get in, into your in your system. So maybe, just maybe, our immune systems are working way better than we ever imagined. And, you know, again, I, I objectively, yeah, if you if you have been diagnosed, if, if you absolutely have, okay, wear one because if you accidentally cough or sneeze 
you'll be spreading thousands and thousands of viruses on other people. Well, that mask will um, reduce the, the chronic exposure. But the reality is we've, we've probably already breathed it. And in fact, I know somebody who had it personally. And Robert, you might know this guy. But anyway, um, he had the swab test. Uh, he had the antigen test or antibody test positive for both. But by the time he had the appointment to go get tested, his symptoms were gone. He was feeling better. It was like the flu. So then they did another swab. And he, we can, if you want, I can get him on the show and he tell the whole story. But basically, he's recovered. He had it. He's recovered. He's living. And he said it felt like the flu. The flu. So, he's so well, yeah. I tell just, it. I just, uh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah I, I hate to throw cut it you out. off. And you know I hate to do that. But I do see there's only about not even four minutes left before I have to shut things down. So I do want to give uh, our guest. And I tell you what, I'm, I'm happy that you you know stayed the, the whole time with us. Uh, it was a great conversation. I certainly want to, again, as you stated, uh, have you back on the show. We uh, definitely have a, a lot we could talk about, I think. <laughs> so, but I do want to give the opportunity. for We do closing comments here. Uh, I did at the end of the show. Usually it's about uh, two, minute, two minutes each person uh, to do so. Uh, you're the guest, so you can take up a few more minutes if you'd like. Um, and then, uh, unfortunately, I'll have to shut things down for the night. Now, I will not be doing the show next Wednesday. Uh, next Wednesday is the uh, night before my daughter has surgery, and so I have to. We have to be there at 6 a.m. Uh, so I will not be doing a show because I'll probably be getting up at about four if I go to bed at all. <laughs> so uh, we will not be doing a show next week. I apologize for that, but uh, well, you know, this takes precedence. And so, and again, thank you very much for all your time tonight. Yeah, th- thank you for having me on. It's uh, been a pleasure talking to you. I think we touched on several topics from America's foreign policy to the economic opportunities. And the good thing is, you know, opportunities in green technology space and uh, the fourth industrial revolution that should create lots of jobs and, and opportunities in business. So that is all good. And it's it's really up to us. How do we capitalize on that? Uh the next thing I want to just briefly touch on is this COVID pandemic. It's been bad, but uh, you know, it's let's hope there is an end to it very soon because the accumulating effect, the long-term consequences of it are actually going to be much worse than the virus. So let's hope and pray this ends very quickly and uh, wish everyone you know that this is safe and sound. Uh, and that that's all I have. So thank you for having me on. Thank you. Thank you. That's all. Oh, thank you very much, and uh, looking forward. I'm going to reach out to Fred uh, and yourself in the future, uh, certainly. Uh, and Kelly, we got about uh, 30 seconds, and I have to close things out. Go ahead. Well, Mr. Singh, I'm glad you came on the show, and I hope you come back. Um, yeah. So, uh, but I have figured out why the policies are all over the place with Corona. It is because politicians all of a sudden become have become medical doctors, and Micron filter engineers. Just all of a sudden politicians have. <laughs> Very good one. So I want to close uh I appreciate Kelly as always. And I do have to close out. Uh and I will close out as I do every night. Uh and that is with the song by Oscar.
free aspirin. It do, definitely helps to uh, bring uh, bring me uh, down from uh, an exciting show. So have some relaxing music at the end of the show. So take care, everyone. Uh, definitely be safe, and we will uh, see you next time. Again, uh, not next week, but the week after that. But we'll uh, we'll be keeping in touch. Uh, take care and good night. Be the end of it. You can get more of tonight's videos and audios and articles uh, from the website at www.barslogicpoliticaltalk.com, and you can go to the newsroom page to get more information. Again, thank you for coming to Bards Logic Political Talk. Take care and good night.